would you like a treat this week, Corrigan? Would you like <laughs> yes, a delicious? It's, it's a my delicious, birthday. Of course, I want treats. Of course, of course, of course. A delicious, tasty treat. Uh, a treat to sate even the most ravenous appetite for Ooh. the unusual and bizarre. Excellent. Yes. yes, a veritable yes. banquet of strangeness. This one, uh, one that. I think you're going to enjoy. Listeners, pull up a fucking chair. Pull yourself a plate, yeah? Get yourself a dish and heap ladles of the unusual and strange onto your plate as I talk here. Because I'm going to I'm going to serve you up a medical curiosity. Okay. Okay? I'm going to serve you up the tale of a fella from France mm. in the 1700s. Okay? Mm-hmm. A tale of... Strangeness, the like of which I've never read, right? Amazing. And one thing I want to, one thing I want to make clear here is that every name I'm going to mention in this tale, every doctor I'm going to talk about, is an actual real doctor <laughs> with actual yeah. real opinions and journals and fucking evidence. Uh, military personnel I'm going to mention by name, they existed. This fucking story happened. I'm very concerned. You're about to tell a story that I told while Anna was here. Tarare. Yes. Ah, son of a bitch. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Son of a bitch. Ah, <laughs> oh, man. I went, I've, I've got such a lot of, I did such a lot of work as well. You were so excited about it. I really was. I really fucking was. What are I the odds? Yeah, I did this, like, honestly, I did this a few weeks ago with Anna, and then also it is one of the Jack of All Graves radio episodes that's up on our co Fucking hell. (laughs) Oh, man, that's amazing. Where do we we go from here? I don't know. Where do we go from here? Do we just just start the podcast? I don't know. I could do it, and our listeners could see who was best. You can... (laughs) You, I, I couldn't hear what you said. You get, what are you going to do? I could do the story and, and we could kind of, we could ask our listeners to t- see who was the best <laughs> one. <laughs> sure. Let's have Mark tell the story. Right. Um, and as always on this podcast, there mm. is a timestamp. And if you simply do not want to hear about Tahrir again. Yep. You can skip right past it. <laughs> and if you want to hear Mark's version of the story, then listen in and have and maybe, a good time. Maybe you can interject with, you know, bits you disagree with, bits that maybe sure. you had a different take on. All right, so let's 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 go back in time. Let's go to Lyon, right? Let's go to Lyon around seventeen seventy two when even as a fucking child, right? Even as a kid, everyone knew that Tarer was he wasn't right, you know. Even as a child, this kid had a colossal fucking appetite. This kid would eat. This kid would eat like a absolute motherfucker. To the point where he was actually abandoned by his parents who couldn't keep up with the cost of feeding him, right? This weird, weak-looking, sickly-looking, pale-skinned, fair, thin-haired 17-year-old. By 17, the stories say that this kid could eat half a cow, a split fucking half of beef. Right, a side, <laughs> a absolute, literally half a cow in one go over the course of a day. Um, the fact is, this kid wasn't just hungry. There was clearly something very, very wrong with Tarer. Okay, despite constant eating, vast amounts of fucking anything, 
During his late teens, he still only weighed around 100 pounds. He was slight. He was sickly looking. He was unremarkable. But here's, a, he just... here's a question that Please. we didn't yeah, talk yeah, yeah, about yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, during my... So, I'm not... Like, my European history is abysmal. I know nothing about what has happened on your general Well, yet, as, uh, as is my American history. Yeah. Right, yeah. These are... We have big blank mm. spaces for these kinds Mjol. of things. Yes. What was... Like, do you know anything? And this is obviously off the top of your head, so I don't expect mm. you to have an answer to this, but, like, what religious life was like in the late 1700s in France? No. No, I do not. The reason I ask this is just that, like, everything that you have just described so colorfully... Yes. You know, when it comes to like a kid who can who's like sickly and white and pale and like all this yes. stuff and and yes. you haven't even obviously you're going to get into the further horrors of what this kid yeah, looked yeah, like. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um yeah. but it, and then like eats an entire half of a cow like it's no big deal. Mm. Um it feels like I'm surprised what doesn't come up in this story is people yeah, yeah. reacting Demons. like is this yeah is this some sort of like demon is he like hmm. i don't know i don't know it, it it never was interpreted through a religious frame that Same. i saw I while researching never this. once saw it mentioned i mean if i were to speculate uh i would guess that you know his parents kept a lid on it for a while until they couldn't deal with it anymore sure. Right. Uh, yeah, they weren't know, like out there like, look at what our son look at weird does. Raise a demon. Yeah. Um, right. Yes. <laughs> and after this abandonment, after his parents ditched him, uh, he kind of went off grid. You know, he went to Paris and started a life begging, stealing, eating rubbish from bins and troughs. Um, I don't know if you quoted from the Journal of Foreign Medical Science and Literature, but I will. Uh, this is a. Uh, a quote from an actual medical journal. Tarrer was of a middle-sized stature. His habit of body was weak and slender. He was not of a ferocious spirit. His look was timid. The little hair he had, preserved though very young, was very fair and extremely fine. His cheeks were sallow and furrowed by long and deep wrinkles. On distending his cheeks, he could hold in them as many as a dozen eggs or apples. His mouth was large. He had hardly any lips. Uh, the molars of his teeth were much worn away and the colour of their enamel streaked like marble. The space between his jaws, when they were fully separated, measured about four inches. And when in this state, with his head inclined backwards, the mouth and esophagus formed a, a rectilinear canal into which a cylinder of a foot in circumference could be introduced without even touching the palate. Jesus Christ. So what we have here <laughs> is a saggy, weak kind of... Uh, uh, you know, lippity. I would say, if I were to use a, a, a phrase from lippity, lippity. Yeah, it's an old, an old phrase that you'd hear in the likes of kind of Peter Rabbit books. The okay. guy was just sallow, mm -hmm. but we know he was unremarkable, right? We know, we know that he. I mean, stank. it's like it's to say unremarkable well, about a guy with a mouth like a make mako shark. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. I yeah, just yeah, when yeah, you yeah. said the four inch thing, I immediately like started, you know, opening my own mouth. Well, that's right. like, that, that's about four inches, I would say. Yeah, I'm like, ah, I can't do that. Really stretched out. I feel like I'm at like an inch and a half, two inches or something like yes, that. Yes, this kid, like, uh, by happenstance, I saw a video the other day of a snake eating an egg. <laughs> you know, like a little tiny little snake mm. just totally dis detaching its jaws, dislocating mm. its mouth and just wriggling over a fucking egg. And that's how I imagine this guy. From the same journal, um, Tarea was... Constantly covered with sweat. 
and from his body, always burning hot, a vapour arose, sensible to the sight, like a visible kind of stink lines coming off this fucking guy. Uh, he often stank to such a degree that he could not be endured within the distance of 20 paces. So I've known some stinky dudes, but like that oh, is, hey. that's next level. That's, that's next level. Particularly, you know, so fucking painfully stinky was he that he couldn't be... 20, 20, you know, 20 feet, 20 yards is a long way away to smell someone, even to see the fucking stink waves coming off them. Um, so we know he stank. We know that after several hours without food, the journalists say his body would sag, his skin would droop, uh, and his appetite was utterly and totally insatiable. So we know that after some time begging in Paris, he reached the attention of a troop of traveling showmen, thieves, and sex workers who would tour the regions of uh, Paris and France putting on performances and uh, stealing from their audience. Tarea's act was essentially eating any old shite the audience happened to suggest or had with them. You know, he would eat entire sacks of apples, rocks, corks. You know, his gimmick was, you name it, I'll eat it. Um, it's just, I keep smiling because I feel like, you know what kind of woke liberal podcast this is because I know both <laughs> of us read the same sources and both of us changed prostitutes to sex workers. Yes, we did. <laughs> Look at us. <laughs> In telling this story. We really so. did. Oh, that's good. Um, <laughs> so, uh, to quote further from Anomalies and Curiosities of Medicine, right, from 1996. Um, on one occasion, it was said that he swallowed a living eel without chewing it. He mm. ate almost instantly a dinner that had been prepared for 15 vigorous workmen and drank the accompanying water, took their aggregate allowance of salt. And after this meal, his abdomen was so swollen that it resembled a balloon. Now, his life as a sideshow attraction continued until uh, 1792 when the French War of the First Coalition commenced and Tarer joined the French Revolutionary Army. Now, very quickly, he caught the attention of military doctors as, you know, he would eat rations for 15 men and still be rummaging through the rubbish, begging from other soldiers for scraps. After a very short time, he fell into exhaustion after being unable to eat enough and he came under the care of a Dr. Pierre-Francois Percy and a Dr. M. Corville, physicians who followed Tarea's case for the rest of the boy's life. One of the first things they did uh, when coming on the case was to push him, push his limits to see how much he could actually eat. And they served him uh, a meal which they'd designed for 15 German laborers, right? Two massive meat pies, four gallons of milk, which he devoured within minutes. <laughs> they pushed him, they pushed, they took the experiments further. They fed him live animals, snakes, lizards, dogs, all of which he devoured on the spot. Crazy shit. This, this geezer will flat they out eat the dog. They gave him all of those yes. live animals to Just eat? to kind of see his capacity, just to push him to see what he was really capable of. Pretty wild. Yeah. <laughs> now, much. I mean, yeah, I, I guess they just, since he was already doing that shit, they're yep, like, we'd yep. like to see it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Prove it. Um, <laughs> the... Military largely abandoned him, aside from a General Alexandre de Bernarnay, who saw potential in Tarer. At this point, they were at war with Prussia. And this general believed that Tarer could be made useful by uh, swallowing documents, which he'd protected previously in wooden boxes, which he'd then obviously defecate after passing through security checks. He would clean off and provide to his contacts after checkpoints. Um... One of the uh, one of the one of the possible reasons why he managed to stay so slender and so thin was because he was constantly squirting, man. He was constantly shitting all the fucking time. Um, 
would explain but the smell as well. It would explain. It's like basically like a bird, how like they don't control it. It's just like at any given point, it just exactly. like opens up and lets it go. Flip, out it goes. Always eating, always shitting. Uh, so they tested this, you know, this this subterfuge out. They fed him a box containing a message, sent him across enemy lines to deliver this message to a captured colonel in the Prussian, uh, you know, the, the Prussian territories. Um, I love this. As a, as a thank you to agreeing to the mission, Tarer was given uh, a gift of a wheelbarrow full of bull offal, full of, full of guts, basically, <laughs> um, which he ate, you know, livers, stomachs, bollocks, which he ate before beginning his mission. Um, immediately sticking out like a sore thumb uh, to the checkpoint soldiers, he was immediately arrested. He was captured. He was held prisoner and thoroughly beaten until he caved, gave up the plot, shat out the box. Uh, but luckily for him, the general still hadn't fully trusted the idea and put a fake message in the box. So after enduring a day's thrashing and threats of execution, the Prussians took pity on this absolute freak and sent him back to France. How's our account so far of the... the... Pretty similar, yeah. Is it <laughs> now? You know, it's just, yeah, just the phrasing is different, but... Mm. And you've got, like, I think we have a few different details in here. Like, I didn't Good. have the um, awful wagon. So, you, <laughs> you know, things like that. So, the gut, I'm feeling good about the, this. The, the gut barrow. Um, <laughs> I mean, but this time, by this time, after his, his experiences in the military, after his experiences, you know, living rough, he he was he was frantic, and by this time he begged Doctor Percy to find a way to cure him. Uh, they tried every medicine they could find, just smashing him full of wine vinegar, smashing him full of tobacco, huge amounts of tobacco capsules, chewing tobacco. They gave him morphine. They gave him anything that came to hand. But still, <laughs> not only was his appetite not sated, but it also seemed to be growing and becoming more and more. Uh, more and more dark, I guess. He, he was still creeping out of the hospital at night, stealing from butcher shops, eating animals. He'd even got a reputation for stealing corpses from the hospital morgue. Uh, the final straw for him in the medical system came when a 14-month-old baby disappeared from the hospital. And although nobody saw him, uh, that was a snack size for him, isn't it? That's, <laughs> fucking, that's a little yeah, snack. Barely... Barely yeah. a snack. It's for a big tea. Um, yeah. He was blamed. He was ran out of Paris and went completely off radar for four years until he showed up in Versailles in 1798, critically ill, desperately calling for Dr. Percy. Tarer was diagnosed with an extreme tuberculosis, which developed into terminal diarrhea, which mm. killed him. Terminal diarrhea. Terminal Jesus. diarrhea. I shat so much I died. Oh, man, you know of all I mean? the indignities. Of all the ways to go. Interestingly, in the London Medical and Physical Journal article on Tarer, uh, his uh, his diarrhea was described as being fetid beyond all conception. You can't even imagine how vile this is. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's like, uh, and I think I said this to Anna at the time, I don't remember, but like, it is 1700s France. Yes. Like... <laughs> Those people have smelled some stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and Mate. like he is so stinky that even then, even the French I've been to Paris in the last like, couple of years and it's still a little ripe <laughs> if you know what I'm saying. I mean, yeah, like it's kind of known for that. Uh, mm. so it just feels like it is really saying something that like yes. even eighteenth century Parisians were like, Jesus Christ. That phrase, I I love that phrase, fetid beyond all conception. <laughs> it's like a Lovecraftian kind of stuff. Yeah. 
but totally. you can't even fucking you know lovecraft kind of describes like all of this you yeah know? it does like... where is it all going where where did the dogs go yeah where, you know <laughs> right <laughs> uh, anyway anyway so look um he shat himself to death died with extreme diarrhea uh the autopsy became something of a huge event um to 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 quote from dr percy himself the entrails were putrefied confounded together and immersed in pus <sighs> the liver was excessively large void of consistence and in a putrescent state the gallbladder was of considerable magnitude the stomach in a lax state and having ulcerated patches dispersed about it covered almost the whole of the abdominal region. His cons- uh, the condition was never conclusively diagnosed. Uh, the autopsy, in fact, was called off at quite an early stage due to the absolutely unbearable stench of Tarer on the inside. They couldn't even finish the fucking autopsy because of the stank. Like, that's got to be the kind of stench that, like, you can taste it. Smell bad. (laughs) Exactly. Fog of eternal stench status. (laughs) Coming out of this guy. Um, (laughs) It seems the consensus is the only certainty was that his condition was biological more than it was mental. There was something fucking wrong with this guy, you know? Uh, and no case as extreme as his has been recorded since. Was it hypothyroidism? Was it diabetes? Was it was it Prada Willie syndrome? Was it, you know, or some fucking crazy combination of all of those things? Plus, you know, the 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 kind of the childhood trauma of being abandoned, of being a, a, a freak essentially. His experiences in the military did all of that stuff combine in a just shining in a bottle. <laughs> wow! To give you. <laughs> Wow, okay. (laughs) The condition of Tarer of Lyon. The Mm. sad case. Good story, Mark. Thank you, thank you. Really nice one. One that I'm sure you'd enjoy, never having heard before. Yes, completely new to me this Sunday. Listen, we're all friends, right? Everybody listens (laughs) to this podcast. We're all friends. We take nothing personally. Who (laughs) did it best? Was it me or Corey? Yeah, let us know. Who Who did the best justice by the memory of our boy Tarer? Let me quote directly from my notes, if I may. Yes, please do. Fucking look at these nerds. Oh, mise-en-scene. I don't think anyone has ever said mise-en-scene in such a horny way before. The way I whispered the word sex cannibal recently. Worst comes to worst, Mark. I'm willing to guillotine you for science. Thank you. That's really, really sweet. It's you cold know. outside, but my pancreas is talking to me. <laughs> I'm fucking, I'm gonna leg it. You know how I feel about that, Mark. I think you feel great about it. I can't believe it. I really thought I'd struck gold. I was like, oh. Yeah, because it's an insane story. <laughs> it is, it is. I can't believe it took us three years to dig that one out. Right. Like, that's the thing. Over three years, neither of us came across this guy. And then yeah. at the same time. Oh, that is. Did. But isn't that, you know, they're not just like us, though. Yeah, it is. <laughs> that we would dance around him for, for years and just within weeks of one another find it independently. Yep. It's <laughs> about right, isn't it? It's the Joag journey right there. Oh, listen, uh, mm. something I've got to say. Is this on the podcast or before oh, we yeah, start? Yeah. Okay, this okay, is all yeah, on, yeah, We're yeah. recording, mate. This is all on the record. All something right. Something I want to yeah, say. Let's do it. Mm-hmm. Happy birthday to you. Aww. Happy birthday <laughs> to you. Happy birthday, my dear co-host Corrigan. Happy birthday to you. 
for yesterday was your birthday, wasn't it? It was my birthday. Thank you. That was that was very nice. I don't think anyone sang happy birthday to me yesterday. Well, so that's now like they a... have. Now they have. And yeah. I guarantee all of our listeners, all of our millions of listeners, were tapping away and singing themselves. Mm-hmm. So you've had a global rendition of the happy birthday song. I love that. I'm a big fan Good. of that. Thank you very Good. much for, for bringing that. Now, As you've mentioned, you know, before... Yeah. And as I've mentioned, I am a big fan of my birthdays. This oh, is you like and me a both. you and me Yeah. Both. Didn't really like celebrate them growing up and so like as an adult they have been like mm. I just whatever I'm doing, I don't necessarily go hard, but like I go big on whatever it is that I yes. want to do, you know? Yes. It's a yes day. And why shouldn't you? Yes, exactly that. Yeah. <laughs> why shouldn't I? Yeah. Um and and yesterday was like absolutely one for the books. Um they, you know, obviously, my favorite movie is Jaws. Um, I was just thinking I need to, like, rearrange my shelves because the bottom shelf here has, like, my stuff on it, like, mm. pens and pencils, stuff like that. And then the one above it has all my, like, Jaws things and everything. You should flip that around. I so need to reverse it. it. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, um, <laughs> talk to me. Prove it then. What What are some What are some of your Jaws memorabilia? What do you have? Um, I mean, I try not to be a big collector. You're not a Jaws, because... you know, like... You filled up rooms of your house with right, exactly. Tack, so pop, yeah, funkin' vinyls and whatever. Right, I do have a Funko Pop of Quint, yes. obviously. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I have an action figure of Quint. I have lots yes. of like, you know, stickers and you know various things like that. I have in our bedroom there is like a four foot tall uh, Narragansett beer ad mm, with nice. Quint on it. <laughs> that says honor the man crush the can um did i send you a picture of the jaws artifact that i came across in a museum over here a year I'm or so sure. ago you may have so, i mean that's a long time ago <laughs> yeah this was in the national sci-fi and museum in milton Keynes, right mm-hmm. i do remember when you went there yeah 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 and i'm looking for it now i th- it was a screen used uh it was his bat, Quint's fucking bat. Quint's baseball oh. bat. Oh. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's yeah. I don't remember this. Maybe you did send it to me, but I don't have a recollection of having seen there it. Is. Can you see that on the camera? Can you see that? Oh, that's amazing. Is that Quint's the actual bat. radio too? And that's the actual radio from the boat. That's phenomenal. This is obviously visual medium here. Uh, mm. <laughs> the Yeah, just a picture of the bat and the radio that Quint smashes with the bat, the bat yes, <laughs> in yes. in Jaws. There you go. I'll send that to you. I love that. So yeah, huge Jaws fan. Um, also a giant uh, Robert Shaw fan in general. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> my mother is like singing and all kinds of things, but it's probably fine. Anyways, um, I'm a huge Jaws fan. Huge Robert Shaw fan. Um, I have like a whole highlight on my Instagram of when I went and I watched like every Robert Shaw movie or Whoa. show that like was available. I mean, there's certain stuff that's like, you know, it's from the 50s, 60s or whatever that there's just <laughs> no way that you yeah. can get a hold of it at this point. But, you know, anything that is streaming anywhere <laughs> um, or that like I could buy a DVD of. I will confess I to not really knowing much else of his work what what is is big hitters apart from jaws well that's the thing is i think like now obviously that's the most enduring thing but you may have seen like black sunday for example it's like a terrorism movie um he is in a uh one that like is super creepy that i absolutely love oh what is it called 
um, he plays like a chauffeur who falls in love with the woman that he's uh, oh. chauffeuring around. It's super creepy. He's so in. He doesn't always Russia play like a grizzled, like a grizzled dude, Russia does he? No, that's oh. the funny thing. Is like he's oh he's in Force Ten from Navarone. Um, He's like, you know, like in uh, the James Bond movie, he's like this like From blonde this ubermensch type guy and that huh? um, he's like in other things like that one that's name is escaping me, but where he's the chauffeur, just like a very proper British guy, mm. like a lot of things. He's like got a very like lively, upbeat Englishness well, 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 about him. Well, well. Yeah, so he's like Quint is not like a standard character. He did mm. a lot of Shakespeare. <laughs> um, yeah, so oh, and of course I can't like one of my favorite movies of all time, The Taking of Pelham One Two Three, which there's a remake of, but it is nowhere Denzel. nearly. <laughs> yeah, with Denzel, not the same thing as the OG with him <laughs> That's the only and Hector Elizondo. I've and... just seen the remake with John Travolta. Oh, you have to see the original. <laughs> <laughs> These are not even on the same plane of existence. Am I making this up or is it John Carpenter? Is it? Am I making that Oof. up? I mean, it could be. I don't know, but yikes if it is. <laughs> oh, really? Really? No, the original, I mean. Oh, the original. Oh, no, no, no. Wait. Yeah. That, no, that can't be. It's way too old for that, I think. Uh, I'm, 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 I'm clearly making this up, man. Hang on. <laughs> So I want to say it's like 1972 or something like that. Like it is. Uh, 74. 74. There you go. And it is not by John Carpenter. It's by Joseph Sargent. What the fuck am I thinking of then? I don't know. But you got to see Taking of Pelham 123. Yeah. It's I neither have. here nor there necessarily. Uh, suffice to say he's in a lot of movies, a lot of good movies, um, some very boring ones because yeah. it was the 50s, 60s and 70s. Yeah, sure. Um, and he died in 1978. And thus, as I mentioned last week, he and I never existed mm, yeah, at the yeah, same yeah. time, which yeah. has troubled me yeah. for years. Um, you know, when you're just like your favorite actor, like you never breathe the same air. Uh, yeah, you know? yeah I feel so, that. I absolutely feel that. But his son, Ian Shaw, uh -huh. um, created a play. Uh, basically, he found like uh, his father had been keeping his father. Robert Shaw was a writer as well, um, was the thing he kind of prided himself on the most. And he found his drinking journals that he'd been keeping. And he described these... What, just shit he would write whilst drunk? While drunk, yes, Beautiful. exactly. And so he described these, um, Ian Shaw described these as painful but brave. Mm. Um, and he sort of melded that with, you know, stories from Jaws and things like that. He was... Ian Shaw was something like nine or so when uh, his dad died. His mother mm. had died before that of an overdose. Mm. Uh, so, you know, he grew up an orphan most of his life. Um, mm. And uh, he put this together into a show called The Shark is uh, The Shark is Broken. Yes. Which, which takes place. Which over here. It's been. It's been yeah, it started over there. Um, and it takes place entirely on the Orca, basically, as uh, Robert Shaw, Dreyfus, and Scheider are on that boat during times at which <laughs> the shark isn't working and they're forced to just sit there and talk to each other. Mm, Famously, beautiful. Robert Shaw was an absolute asshole to Dreyfus, thought he was like an act like a total doofus, thought they didn't take acting seriously enough, all this kind of stuff, and sort of tried to haze him, essentially, yep. throughout this thing. So you're kind of watching them, like, not get along, but at times, you know, find these bits of common ground. And 
Um, there's a lot of really poignant stuff in, in there for people who have dead dads. It's, you know, it's really powerful to see things that would be like a powerful insight anyway. Yes. But spoken by a person who you know, he is right now playing the father he lost oh, yeah. when he was that age, you know, yeah. and to to talk about things like, you know, so they're, what they're of a comparable age now, I guess, are they? He's yeah, well, he's three years older than Robert Shaw yeah. was when he died at this point. Yeah. So I think Ian yeah. Shaw's 53. Robert Shaw was 50 when he died. Um, so, yeah, it's a phenomenal play. I had an absolutely wonderful time. Brought my Quint action figure with Just me, slept in my little, yeah, yeah, yeah in my yeah. little orange backpack, brought my <laughs> Quint action figure with me afterwards. I've never stage door to show before. It's just not my like vibe, you know, yeah. <laughs> like, um, but I was like, this is the closest I will ever get to Robert Shaw. <laughs> so I'm going to go and I'm going to have Ian Shaw sign my Quint action figure. And so did the stage door thing. Um, and he came out and, you know, I got him to, to sign that, took a selfie with him. Mm. And it was just like, like, it's just kind of a magical experience. Like, I was like tearing up a little bit. Like, you know, this mm. is, <laughs> this is Robert Shaw's son who just played him beautifully on stage, who is, you know, worked to sort of bring his complicated legacy to the stage and, and, you know, something that's beloved to me like jaws is a super important part of my life as well so it was just mm. like it was the coolest thing to do for my birthday and then we you know we'd gotten ramen before went and got some pie afterwards we saw uh uh keo saw bob odenkirk uh he apparently I, came yes, out of yes, he came that. out of the same play we had just been to walked down the road the wrong direction and walked past again when he righted himself and then we saw alex we saw this guy waving down a taxi cab wildly like jumping up and down in the street to wave this taxi and we we're like jesus this guy it's coming don't worry about it and then he, when he turned around to get into it it was alex moffat from saturday night live and we okay. were like oh shit oh, i don't know who that is all right but... yeah i wouldn't expect you to but yeah. americans who watch snl would know who alex moffat is he's very small in real life which was surprising <laughs> doesn't look like it on the show uh what about um, uh hmm? Quint's son, how did he match up to how big he was in your mind's eye? Oh, just, just, yeah, he's tall. He's, he's okay. pretty much exactly what <laughs> I would expect. <laughs> mm. um, yeah, and then came home and uh, Keo has never seen the documentary. Uh, the shark is still working. So we watched that uh, and then watched Encanto and oh. had a little old fashioned and life was beautiful. It was a perfect birthday. I love to hear that. I really do. And what about today? I know you. I know, like you said, it's, it's, it's. You you, you tend not to just have the day, do you? You tend to do as much as you can in the week around it. Have you done anything right. else? Has anything else been online? No, I mean the thing is, last week was such a crazy work week that like mm. I've just been tired. Um, so you know, I woke up this morning. It was supposed to storm all day. It's now beautiful out, which is weird. Uh, mm. But this morning it was like dark and stormy looking. It was gray and all that kind of stuff. So I just like curled up in my bed. I played some Hades. I had Keo make some uh, vegan biscuits and gravy, and it was gorgeous. Just killed it. You know, uh, I get I I get a lot of happiness from your happiness, so that, that <laughs> delights me. Well, thank you very much, sir. And likewise. Uh, but yes, what about what about you? How's 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 it hanging this fine? Uh, week? Yeah, look, it's 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 okay. It's fine. I'm all right. I'm in control. It's fine. Uh, mm -hmm. I got this. Um, That's good. 
Yes. Uh, has it been the greatest week of my life? No. Sure. Um, but you know, have there been high points? Yes, to have. Um, hey. I've, I've, I'm. I'm... <laughs> what has become clear is I've got to find a healthy way of providing my nervous system with the stimulus it craves. Mm-hmm. You know that yes. isn't uh, that isn't destructive to me and my support group and my systems and my family, right? Right. Yeah. Totally. So, with that in mind, I've uh, dove headlong back into running. I'm delighted to find that I've still got a reasonable five k in me, despite not having ran for you know for months. That's nice. Um, <laughs> yes, I've bought myself uh, one of these fucking ice tubs that seem to be all the rage right now. Right. I see this stuff like every time I watch like some sort of sports like reality show or something and things like that. Yeah. You yeah, could not yeah. pay me to get into one of those. Uh, well, no, they're they're fucking horrible. They're unpleasant. I've 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 been in it twice now, and both times. I mean, you know, the received opinion is that you know it leads to well being and it's good for your skin and your soul and your which doesn't exist. That's why like fucking... the like Finns or whatever Icelandic people exactly the like, Nordic lads yeah yeah all the Nordic lads like they love it they love it and I will give it a crack as well. So um, <laughs> just instant genital shrinkage and, and retreat oh, from the yikes. outside world, just goosebumps, <laughs> tingles, pains. But do you know what? Mm. Uh, a kind of calm a kind of uh a kind of what's the word i'm looking for almost uh almost a fugue state uh-huh. where your nerve endings and your body is being fucking just beaten into submission with this freezing freezing fucking cold and you can't breathe and you're you think you're numb and you're frozen and you can't ever move but that passes and then yeah it's i, I I've described I've described before the weird euphoria that you get after a long period of vomiting, right? Oh yeah, sure. Do you yeah, know what absolutely. I'm talking about? When you think, <laughs> Very much me. so. Yes. That was amazing. It's kind of like that. <laughs> it's it's super harsh and it's super overloading and overwhelming, but there is, there is you know there's something to it and I'm gonna pursue it. Interesting. So Had you go. Some... Oh, go ahead. Go on, please. Well, I was just gonna ask. So like, you go and you run or whatever and then like do you immediately like you have it waiting for you and you jump into it or like how I did, does this that's work? how i did it today so okay. um knocked out a nice 5k came home dove straight into that fucker got the ice cubes out the freezer poured them in i uh, dived in and it was great i did uh, I, I did one yesterday first thing in the morning so i started my day with it get out of bed <sighs> dive in it and that's how i'm gonna kind of go for it from now on i think i'm gonna start my day with it in the hope that it that i can what's cling it supposed on to, to do for you in a non like you know, because obviously there's like the idea, I mean, that's why you use ice packs and stuff like this, right? Of yeah. Like the DOMS yeah. thing, like yeah. to make it so that you're not as sore, your muscles aren't as sore. What exactly. is it supposed to do for you to just like wake up and get in an ice bath? Uh, very nebulous terms like well-being. <laughs> okay. You know, fuck does that mean? Um, focus. Self-actualization. God, yeah, yeah. Just, you know, just all positive benefits for your well-being. Right. You know? Okay. And you can tell from my tone, and you know me quite well, that I don't, you know, that, that's obviously horse shit. Um, <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, I would imagine. It isn't. Yeah, like if there is something to, like what you described, right? This idea of like somehow there was like this euphoric feeling to. And there was. 
yeah, to the feeling after you'd gotten over the shock of getting in there. There's probably something it's doing with like blood flow. There's probably yes, yes, something yes. that it is doing yeah. within your body that scientifically yeah. it makes sense for it to do this yes. <laughs> as opposed to, you know, just like, yeah. oh, it's just like, it's just like well-being. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, um, well, what it, what it certainly does is provide loads and fucking loads of sensory input. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, you, man, you feel it. Yeah, which is a thing that obviously you've said many times you yes. seek out deeply. Yes, yes, yes. Which is yes. obviously the opposite of me. <laughs> I want <laughs> very little sensory input. I've got yeah. plenty. <laughs> None for me, thanks. Yeah. It's interesting, <laughs> that. Interesting, inter- that interests me. Hmm. <laughs> but I'll, obviously I'll keep you posted on our weekly podcast, yeah. Jack of All Graves. Um, yeah, I would love to hear like, a week, a month, whatever, if you and feel as, like as, there have been tangible benefits of yeah. icing yourself every morning. What about, like, are you going to still going to do this, like, when it hits winter time? Yes, more so. More so? I'm actually looking forward to it more in winter when it's cold everywhere else because, It won't you know, be as it, much of a shock. Exactly, exactly that. <laughs> and as far as the running goes, I mean, when I think back to, were we, were we doing Joag when I, when I, when I was, like, running, running? Mm-hmm. Um... I think back to that that couple of years and mm-hmm. I don't remember any of the the kind of tension or anxiety that I've got currently. Mm-hmm. So maybe there's a maybe there's a correlation there, you know what I mean? If if Yeah. If, well, if and was... again, I feel like especially because with the things that you know you do like uh seeking sensations or things like that or like just needing like you love going to the gym and stuff like that you always have a feeling of well-being after that it's just adding to stuff that you already know like floods your body with the things that you're seeking out and hopefully (laughs) that makes some difference in you know the sleep the mental state the anxiety all that kind of stuff Yes, that it's is... all it's it's an altogether healthier way of seeking out sensory input, isn't it? Right. And that's, you know, always the thing, like, obviously, not in all cases, because, you know, depression being what it is and all that kind of stuff, you still need your meds, whatever. But yeah. there's always the memes and things like that, where people are like, I regret to inform you, <laughs> mm. exercise actually works. And yeah, I'm like, yeah, it, it you is, know, it's gutting when does. you find that out. <sighs> like it's not going to cure all of your Mm. chemical imbalances and things like that but chances are if you can you know get yourself out to do things like that that you enjoy and that press your push your body or even at first you probably don't enjoy (laughs) eventually yeah exactly the benefits as i've said before the best the most important behavior you can crack is in doing stuff that you know will benefit you but you don't want to do right yeah it's the that's that's the one annoying thing about adulthood is that you have to force yourself to do it instead of your parents making you (laughs) but good i'm glad all of that sounds positive yes and i look forward to updates i'm sure everyone else does too on on the journey yeah well like i said i won't i won't bang on about it every week but of course not yeah but we'll 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 make it we'll make it an item we'll make it a monthly item we'll do it right yeah (laughs) here's marco's health update (laughs) (laughs) how's your head how's your body yeah it's all going how's 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 yours by the way how's your jeffrey Dahmer syndrome how's how is that it's uh you know (laughs) it's one of those things where it's like i think you know lately I've been having like a lot of pains and stuff like that. Well, yeah, and, I saw you know, I saw just... you posted a reel about pain. Yeah, right. I, and 
it, it was very apt real. Like the thing is, although, so basically it was talking about, you know, people kind of dismissing your pain, right? Yes. And being like, you know, if you're in so much pain all the time, like, why aren't you, like, screaming and, you know, moaning and things like that? And, yeah. th like, the basic thing about this is, like, the baseline is a constant pain. And so, for one, you build up tolerance to it. And, like, for two, like, what, you're just going to go through your life screaming all the time? Yeah, like, yeah, you yeah, have yeah. to figure out a way to just kind of, like, cope, you know? Mm. And so... That's the thing. It's like, really, it's always like, where, where's my baseline on a given day? Um, and so I've had a lot of days lately that have been a pretty painful baseline. Mm. Um, and so I've been trying to, you know, like try to exercise more, get the muscles built up and all that kind of stuff. But some things it's just like, like some days I just wake up and I have done nothing. And it's like my knee feels like it's on fire. Mm. <laughs> Just yeah. like why why is it like this um so yeah i don't know it's been a little painful lately but i'm trying to like much like you're doing just try to find the combination of things that yeah make me hurt less yes 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 yes, yes. exactly that like, it won't be one thing it won't be one single right. thing you do it'll be unique to you mm -hmm. and you'll find and it, it you'll find yeah it. and it well I won't is the thing. It's like, you know, right. it's it's always going to be there. There's always going to be positive. some face of this. But, you know, that it's a matter of managing, making it manageable, you know. Yeah. So. Okay. Bit by bit. <laughs> yeah. Good. 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 Um, a few things in the upcoming Jack of all Graves life and all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. Going to. Do well, a watch yes, along. We, we've got to fucking get the watch alongs back. And we've got to get those back in action. So we are. Mm -hmm. 23rd of this month, crew. 23rd of September. Saturday, the 23rd of September. Um, we are going to fucking do a watch along. So if you're a veteran of the watch alongs, if you remember them of old, be wonderful to have you back. If you're a new listener, if you're one of the many millions of new listeners that we're accruing on a weekly basis, it would be <laughs> lovely to see some of you as well. Um, I don't... I haven't quite locked down the theme yet, right? But I want it to be something... Because obviously my return to Joag is a fucking huge event obviously. in the podcasting world. Mm -hmm. Just in the world of kind of media. Right. And, and just journalism. like just the general balance of, you know, nature yeah. and the universe. Yeah. yeah. So I'd like to reflect that in the topic of the watch along. Maybe something about is there, is there a really good kind of return of a, of, a, of a character or a villain? Is there a return of a horror kind of trope? Is it something... I want something comeback-y. <laughs> you know i love that something come back something come backy is it is it a director's maybe a, a director's knocked it out the park after a, sh a period of shit them <laughs> Ooh, yeah that's good I like yeah that. yep there's your theme something come backy okay so if people have ideas obviously uh let us know and mark may or may not remember to put them in a poll oh, um well. <laughs> No, I definitely will. Is You'll it maybe, remember to you know, do the poll. It just will you remember to take the ideas people give and put them in the poll? Is yes, the and remember what time card. I said that we'd do the watch along. <laughs> what? And the time that we said we'd do it. Maybe I won't remember that either. It's um, really good. But that's point. the theme. Get thinking. We've got a week something or two. Something comebacky. Something comebacky. Is it? Is it? You know, a horror icon's best performance after a long period of of shitters. Mm. Just. Doesn't have to be in the theme of the film. Maybe this in the makes cast. it. This makes me feel like you're you're calling Anna and I's period the shitters here. No, I'm not. 
look, as we proved right at the top here, I haven't fucking yeah, listened to any of them. you haven't listened to any of them. Maybe so. these are the shitters. And I'm not saying that at all. Fuck no, I'm not saying that. <laughs> and, and would never. <laughs> well, the 23rd, hit us up on the Facebook group or yes. on Blue Sky or yes. on the Instagram. Yes. Let us know what uh, appeals to you in that category and we will get a poll up and then we will all... Hang out together. Hopefully, it will be like a nice, cool fall day, the oh, 23rd. And we're going to like just like make something spicy, like pumpkin spice or apple spice, yeah. cinnamon, you know. The, the homes a, will smell of fall. I'll have a drink of whiskey Horlicks. There we go. Exactly. You know? And we'll all just like chill and watch just a horror movie another. together. Oh, so good. Doesn't that sound so good? good? I love it so much. I just gotta uh, tell you, uh, before me on the TV is a <laughs> is a program called uh, "New: The Day the Queen Died, Minute by Minute." Oh Jesus Christ! Yeah, <laughs> this program is literally breaking down minute by minute uh, the that Amazing. that wonderful day in Britain last year <laughs> where we all learned that the Queen had died. And she could have just held out one more day for me. One oh, more day. Imagine that. That's okay. This always happens. Star Trek Day, the Queen dying, everything's just like mm. a day before before me. But anyways, also we have coming up, uh, as soon as this gets done, I don't know what your schedule is on this, but uh, Dear Peter Lewis is experiencing the Final Destination yeah. films. So what um, we've kind of done this in the month running up to, you know, October uh, mm -hmm. and, and so on. Um, Pete is, is, is really starting to vocally talk about, Dad, I want to watch some scary films, Dad. And I'm like, all right. So, it's a proud um, moment. Very proud moment, yes. Uh, so, yes, was it yesterday or the day before? This week we watched Final Destination because I believe that series is a fantastic launch pad, a wonderful That's starter cool. horror uh, franchise. So we're going to smash through all the Final Destinations over the coming weeks. And then at some point, at some point, maybe early or mid-October, Pete will come on and, and share his uh, share his thoughts. Because, you know, he's... Really looking forward to that. Ah, same. He's 12. He's quite articulate. Um, wanted him on for ages. So we'll get we'll get my oldest boy, Pete, on to talk about how his first full Anna Martin of a franchise has gone. Yes. So what are you going to do about... I know that Brits are less prudish about this kind of stuff. I think there's only the one that has, like, the, like, nudity in it. But, like, what do you... Do you just go, like, it's happening? Or yes. do you skip it? Like, what's nope. your... We skip nope, nothing. Just, I don't think there's any skippers uh, in, in the Final Destination series. Even, I think the, the one you're talking about is the Sunday. No, no, I didn't mean skip the whole movie. I meant the scene. <laughs> nah. No, you just, you just go with it. Yeah. Nice. You just, don't, do you sit there? I, this is, do you sit there awkwardly, or do do you like make a comment or like what the, is? The only <laughs> time I've watched a movie with Pete and skipped a scene was the the like fourteen second sex montage in Terminator. <laughs> okay. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. With Linda Hamilton grabbing the bed sheet super tight, and you know the the kind of eighties synth music building yeah. as they make that love that leads to John Connor's birth. Man, I, I did skip that. <laughs> Okay. Um, just because it's it's a horrible bit of the film more than anything else. <laughs> well, yeah, that's true. <laughs> we all uh, understand how it happens. <laughs> yeah, man. Um, no, I I don't recall there being anything any skippers in the final destinations. Yeah. No. Like I said, I, I'm, well, there is definitely at least one skipper. Like you can't because you're you're binging them all. But there's one yeah. you could absolutely miss, and because it's deeply terrible. 
but well, no, I, mean I just scenes. meant I mean like, kills. Oh, scenes. Yeah, I was gonna yeah. say like I think in Final Destination, I mean that is a very long, <laughs> overly long, topless scene in that one that just like mm. goes forever. Um, which but is this, which is that. the bad film then? Which is the one that's awful? The fourth one, I think. I think it's the fourth one. Um, there's, it's there's the one, one that, that was a, go on. Oh, um, I'm actually, I'm trying to think of like what the like premise of this one even was. Uh, I remember it's... one of them was a 3d gimmick film. So all of the kills involve something shooting right. at the camera, <laughs> and that's, which I well, that was what I was going to say. I was like, I feel like that was three because like, you know, three is always the 3d, right? Um, oh, God, yeah, but uh, I was like, but I feel like this one was maybe was five. also 3D. No, five is great, and it's not 3D. Okay. Uh, five is the, yeah, <laughs> five is the, like, moment. It's like how we were talking last week about New Nightmare and how it's, like, the moment that elevates the franchise. Like, yeah, what, what yes, are we going to do yes, with this yes. from here? Yeah. And uh, Final Destination 5 is the one where you're like, holy fuck, <laughs> they did what? <laughs> and... Uh, yeah, it's it's phenomenal. It is Final Destination Four. It is 3D, uh, and is this seems like a missed opportunity. It does, yeah. <laughs> it's absolutely garbage from uh, what I remember of this one. Okay, um, just irredeemable trash on every possible level. But yeah, I I was just gonna say it's the, you know, I think. At 12, I'm not entirely sure, but I feel like most American parents would probably still be a little like, cover your eyes now or something mm. like that for like a long protra protracted scene of titties, Oof. you know, <laughs> with a young boy. But I think that's less of a like hang up for Brits than it is for, it's just, for it's us. Just tits in it. <laughs> just tits. <laughs> it's always the thing like when you do, like when your parents finally do stop like trying to skip things like that then it's just like you're just sitting there weirdly like <laughs> yeah yeah well hey Weird. we can we can we can talk this through yeah i i look forward to hearing uh how that goes as well uh we used to have you know laura and john they have a teenage son and i think when uh -huh. he was like 14 ish he started watching like scream and chat movies with us uh -huh. Um, and maybe 13, I don't know. I'm not entirely sure how old he is now because he's very tall. Uh, but, uh, it was always funny. Like it was a little like joke every time, like the inevitable titties would hit and be like, Hey, here it comes. <laughs> and he'd just be sitting there, uh, while we all joked about the yeah. teenager seeing titties. But yeah, interesting. Uh, so yes, Pete will join us very yeah, soon. Yeah, so that's coming up. So is the watch along coming up? Um, 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 anything else coming up? Uh, no. Hey, if you, you know, listen, it's the beginning of another year of Joag as we just finished oh, one. If you've been thinking about joining our Ko-Fi, now is a great time to do it. Yeah. <laughs> like $350 in fees just came out last week of things How that uh, renewed all at once. Because <laughs> everything's by the year. So, yeah, you know, it's like, oh, your year of website hosting, your year of the podcast, like, site hosting, all that kind of stuff, like, all comes out right at once. I was like, I my pay came, like, super late this month, and it was, like, a whole big thing at work. Uh, and they were like, nobody knows why you haven't been paid, and all this stuff. And oh, so it fun. finally came in, super and I fun. was like, Does that I was like oh, thank God. No, one? this is the only okay. time this has ever happened, and no one knew why. It was just kind of like, oh, Corey just hasn't been paid. Mm. <laughs> and oh, it was so, only you. 
just me yeah oh, and so even, i hadn't gotten a paycheck since june cool. and was like this is a problem uh so i finally came and i'm like paying all of my stuff and everything and i was like Phew, everything is paid off and then it was like i checked my email and it was like large withdrawal uh from your bank account and i looked and i was like oh god <laughs> everything has come out for the podcast um so yeah, if you have been like on the fence, like joining the Ko-Fi or whatever, now is a mm-hmm. great time to <laughs> subscribe to Jack of All Graves Ko-Fi. Yes. And, yes, I'm uh, putting a, a reading up this week. Yes, a new reading from Mark, which was submitted by Colin uh, right before Mark's break. So now that is coming around as this month's snack of All Graves, yes. which should be fun. Uh, and I'm within gonna, the next, yeah, I'm, okay. I'm gonna kind of read it at, at just like a one and done first sight sight reading beautiful i think that'll be super fun um Mm -hmm. and within a couple weeks we'll do another um uh, let's play of uh death's door make Mm -hmm. a little more progress on that Mm -hmm. all as well lots of fun stuff up there jack of all graves radio there every week as well so you know join us it's a good time maybe somebody else would like to volunteer to come on and do the tarare story again (laughs) there we go perspective yeah our next snack will just be all of our <laughs> listeners doing their own version of that, and we can have a contest of, of who tells the story the best. Yes, yes, we can. <laughs> I love it. Uh, it is so good. Let's talk it's about very good to be back. You know, it really is good to have you back, big time. I'm glad yeah, you're yeah. still having a good time here. Yes, yes, I'm very much. So. <laughs> well, it's like, what if you came back and you're like, no, nah, I don't want to do this anymore. Listen, it 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 occurred to me that I might. It occurred yeah. to me, oh Mark, what what happens if you come back and you're like, no, I I preferred it when I wasn't doing it. <laughs> <laughs> Would have been really sad. Yeah. Uh, so I'm glad you're having a good time. I'm, I'm super into it. Beautiful. Um, what did you watch this week? So let me talk about Final Destination firstly, right? Oh yeah, of course. Because, you know, I mean, it it's it's it deserves the reputation that it's got as being a load of fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right? absolutely. The, the, the one thing I clearly remember really enjoying the first time I saw Final Destination and which still, oh, still kind of reaches up from the screen and grabs you is what a fucking cool idea. <laughs> what a great idea. Um, It's almost as though you've you've created a new uh you know slasher baddie mm-hmm. that's even more persistent than freddy that's even more powerful than jason that's you know that's that's sneakier than fucking ghostface right. it's death itself it's the fucking act of dying yes. you know it's got a plan for you and you can't fuck with it because it'll 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 just get you in the end i i right. It's one of those films that, for me, lives and dies on the fucking coolness of that concept. It's great. Absolutely, yeah. Yep. Um, and, I, and, and I think that the fact that, like, obviously, as you go through them and everything, you see that, like, that it commits to that, right? And yes, that there's yes. really no escaping it. And yet, you keep watching knowing, like, no one is ever going yeah. to escape. That will never happen. Mm. <laughs> and yet, you know, it's that's part of what makes it so compelling. Yep. Uh, and, you know, it's got all of the great stuff that that lovely kind of 90s horror bubble had. Oh, this was 2000, I believe. Yeah, it's right on the cusp. Yes. But it's got all of that cool stuff that that, that we all got thanks to Scream, uh, which is, you know, sharply written kids, um, great kills, uh, 
I think it's got. I think it might have a new metal banger at the end. Ooh, maybe. Probably, but I can't think of what it is off the top of my head. I'm sure if I were watching it, I would know like immediately the cue yeah, would be, yeah. like come and I'd be like already singing it. But... It's got Nin on the soundtrack. It's got Nine Inch Nails on the soundtrack, yes, which is a star, does. which is an immediate mm-hmm. star. <laughs> Even if the film is dog shit, you're going to get a star for that. Nice. Um, yeah, big, 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 big enjoy. Pete was gripped. Um, so yeah, look forward to talking more about that in the weeks to come. To think if that had come out one year later we would never have had that movie <laughs> or if they had yeah. attempted one year later we'd never have yeah. the entire franchise because of the day the world changed huh? it's the day the world changed <laughs> uh what else did you get into um watch this a few weeks ago but for some reason for some reason forgot to rate it and i know why because i watched it in two halves mm. but it's 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 got to be talked about it's got to be spoken about we've got to we've got to at least Air our feelings about Indiana Jones and the Dial of Density. <laughs> is that we have what to it talk is? it through. Yeah, the Dial of Destiny. Yes. Yeah, that's not what you said. Is that what you think? I you said, said density. I, yeah, okay. I, 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 I know. I said density. It's <laughs> so confidently too. <laughs> it's because of George McFly. You're George my density. <laughs> uh, that's one of the things I can't. I can't see or read the word destiny without. Replacing it with density for the bit. Fair enough. That's perfectly rational. But go on. Yeah. Let, let's hear it. You, you've seen it, have you? No, I am. I'm not. I think I might have mentioned this on here before, but I am not an Indiana Jones person. I think, like, I watched them too late. Um, right. And so they didn't have, like, any nostalgia for me. And they didn't have the, like, youthful, like, you know, like, seeing it for the first time. Being like, wow. Uh, mm. And so... They like I think the that Raiders and um what's Temple. the other No, not Temple, what's the other one? Last Crusade. Last Crusade are fine. Um yeah. and that Temple of Doom is trash. So I <laughs> like oh, okay. it's just not my like not my thing. So I have not made an effort to see the Dial of Destiny. Why is Temple of Doom trash? Is it I, yeah, I mean, why? it's like not fun to watch, and it's like super right. racist, and it's yeah, like just, yeah, it is actually. Isn't it, it, when I think about it. Yeah, like there's just like not a lot to Temple of Doom that like I remember. I've seen it probably three times, and each yeah. time I've just been like, I'm bored and a little offended. <laughs> hmm. Well, see, Temple was one of it. It wasn't the first movie I saw at the cinema, but it was one of the first. Oh wow! Uh-huh. It's definitely one of the first three movies I saw in the cinema. Sure, um, yeah, that makes sense. The very first was ET. Mm. <laughs> first film I saw in the flicks. That um, is, that's an intense. For how old do you think you were? I was in the second year of uh, infant school, as we would call it. Um, so I would be, I would have been no more than six, five or six. It's wow. It's just like such like for one, it's pretty long. And it also is, yeah. like all, emotionally. Were all were, <laughs> well, think, yeah, I suppose so. That's a valid point. There yeah. weren't like yeah, you don't think of like, oh, the like late seventies and early eighties, a lot of really classic kids movies from that no, period. No, I guess not. But but I, I vividly remember being upset. I was super upset yeah. by the end and crying. It's so upsetting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um Thank- Sweet Lord. But anyways, and, yes. So, okay. You're, you're quite right about, about Temple of Doom as well. It's 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 super fucking violent for a start. It's, yeah, it's right. Yeah, totally. Lots is. of intense peril. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, 
Now, I didn't read the novelization, but I'll tell you what I did read <laughs> of indie, right? Which I now I think about it was my kind of my on-ramp into movie novelizations. I'm sure you had them in the States. Kind of almost like um, beginner's movie novelizations. You'd have a really super stripped back, boiled down, like 10 page story of the film with a tape. A tape, like a cassette yes. tape. A cassette tape, yep. And you'd listen to the tape where the story was, where they would read out the story as you would read along. I don't, um, I had like a thing like that for like DuckTales, but I have okay. never, I yeah, don't think I, I've well, ever I had seen one that of these for like for, a real movie. fucking Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Um, <laughs> uh, and vividly, I remember that the, the, at the end of every page, they would play the noise of the whip. Whoopsh, to give you <laughs> the, the signal to turn page. the page. Yeah. Turn, <laughs> oh, that's, that's great. The I love that. Turn the page over. Yeah. yeah. Uh, oh, man. This makes and, me really like, I used to sit in this very room that I'm in right now and listen to that DuckTales tape over and over again. Yeah. And now I like really, I'm like, man, now I want to Did it. they have a cool sound when they change pages? Now I really want to find it. If, anyways, do you on. know, I can tell you now I'm going to be Googling for that tape and book. Yeah. Like, honestly, you have to. <laughs> And if you can find it, I want to hear you tell us about, tell us more about I, it next I, time. I definitely had another one of those. I can't remember what movie it was. I remember, I remember vividly that kind of, when you hear the, turn the page. Mm-hmm. I can't remember what the fucking second film was. Was it Back to the Future? No, no, it wasn't. I do, but, like, you are bringing to mind, though, like, I didn't have them about movies, but... Mm. I forgot about that whole genre of thing when we were young that like you would, I would get like, they're basically books on tape essentially from the library, but they were kids ones and they were like that. You'd have those, you know, turn the page and have some sound or whatever and you'd read along with it. Like, do those exist anymore? I don't know. Maybe they do and I'm just not around kids. No, they're apps, aren't they? Yeah, I guess you're probably right. (laughs) Why would you have a book and a separate form of media when you could just have an app that does that? But I loved those things, man. But anyways, mm. Dial of Destiny and your Indiana Jones. Go on. Dial of Destiny, right. So it differs. The vibe of the film differs massively to the first three. You can mm. forget the fourth one because it's fucking junk. Um, although the fourth one does suffer from the first, the, from the, the, the problem that this one does initially in that it just all feels like it's on a green screen, you know? And it is. Mm-hmm. But the, that that feeling of tactile peril that feeling of you know indie being fucking inches away from a rock face or uh, this is an actual fucking nazi revolver that can actually right. kill you that is all missing completely missing at least from the first so third much. of the film there's mm-hmm. there's no sense of weight or jeopardy or or space or time if for any of these characters or any of these people yeah you know um you, you you don't you know like Anna mentioned a couple of weeks back you have you don't have the sensation that they're in the same physical space at the same time right. while they're recording off of this stuff. It doesn't help that for a good for at least maybe like a, a quarter of the film or maybe a bit less. Um, Harrison Ford is de-aged. Oh yeah, yeah. And you is know, it de-age... pretty noticeable. <laughs> well, it is because mm-hmm. it. It's noticeable because you don't notice it immediately, right? Mm. And, you know, the film opens with a, a flashback to the, you know, a World War One scene. Or is it World War Two? I can't remember. And, you know, hang on, Harrison Ford's not in his 30s. What the fuck? <laughs> and as soon as you twig, it's it's dead. It's killed for you. Mm-hmm. What, what, doesn't, what really doesn't help is how inconsistent the effect is. Because right. as soon yeah. as you notice it, you start looking at it, of course. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like you... 
it's a an effect that you cannot help but be exactly watching and, for it to. You slip, know how many times has it been tells. said that good CG just disappears into the background? Right. This, by its very fucking nature, can't. As right. soon as you realize they're doing it, you're you're you're, uh, you're squinting at it. And it's, I feel it's like it's like the it's the not what he means in it, but like the way that I keep thinking of it is Peter Griffin going, it insists upon itself. <laughs> like that's what I think of with the, like CGI like that. That's like lost just... on me because I fucking hate Family Guy. I hate it. Okay. I mean, it's just one of those like clips that I just figure yeah. everyone has come across. But nonetheless, like... yes, but it, it does. It does perfectly put Peter Griffin. Yeah. It does. It, it insists upon itself. And it, uh, like I said, it's inconsistent. There are some scenes when you're like, this technology has peaked. This is mm-hmm. indistinguishable from a photograph or a movie of Harrison Ford. Blah, 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 right. blah. And then there are some scenes when there's lots of movement. On yeah, this, that's always you know what the... I mean? Yeah, and then basically they become like the Quidditch scenes in Harry Potter. You know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like... His head is moving independently of his body right. for a few frames. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it just adds, it contributes to this feeling of the entire thing just being ones and zeros, click, 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 and it's not tangible. It's awful. Yeah. But here's the other thing. When it, when the film separates itself, it takes itself out of the fucking mocap studio, it comes alive like a son of a bitch. There is, you know, mm. there are, there are tuk-tuk chases and, you know, fucking ducking from bullets and chucking things around and the fucking, the, the woo and the wah. When it, when it <laughs> doesn't look like a PS5 cutscene. Right. It's, it, it, you know, you're right back in there. It feels like Raiders. It feels like. Temple of Doom, you know, not the yeah. bits with the Bangladeshi peasants, maybe, but it feels, sure. you know, but it, it feels like that, that feeling, that boy's own feeling of adventure and daring do and, yeah. and all that, that really comes through in some parts of the film. Uh, but when, it, when, you know, there's, 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 it's got two settings, it's got PS5 cutscene and it's got really good and there's no in the middle. Right. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. But look, it's the last one. Clearly, yeah, uh, right. Because it fucking died on its ass at the box office as well. (laughs) Yeah, and and like, even if they were to make more of these, like, it's clearly the last is going to have Harrison Ford in it. So, yes, there you go. Uh, (laughs) He's a smart pick, I think, for twenty twenty four. You know, for the Deadpool, he's a very smart pick. I'll tell you somebody else. He's always a smart pick pick because of all the plane flying and crashing. Well, yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. The sometime plane flying. Um, yeah. I saw a clip this week of Phil Collins. Oh, right? My mom Ooh. was just talking about that too, and it, it's deeply You know, sad he's to performing me. with Genesis and he's in a chair. He sat in mm-hmm. a chair at the front and he's all hunched over. And he, oh, he looks so rough. It is. I fucking it's love sad. Phil Collins. <laughs> it's just... I, I hear that he's a piece of shit, though. Is he really? I hear that he's a bit of a piece of shit, Phil Collins. Like he's like a jerk to people or like he's like a conservative or like what kind of a piece of shit? I seem, and I'll, I'll this is just recollections, right? I'll check okay. this out. Don't, you know, obviously Phil Collins, big I'll fan. I'll do my research, but go on. Exactly. <laughs> I like he's had some questionable kind of divorces. Mm. Uh, I think he's mm. a, quite a little bit of a misogynist, perhaps. I think he's a, oh. he's a bit of a piece of shit. Okay, I'll have to That's look what into that. About Phil Collins, I... but we'll hold yeah. on. If you're going to see us, wait until next week, Philip. <laughs> if indeed you're still alive. But right uh, I have been a big Phil fan since. 
have I you? I was very, very young. Yeah. Mm. It's like one of my first like favorite singers, you know, where it was like I yeah. picked a singer out of a group and yes. was like, that I like that he's, voice a I like lot. I like does. what he's yes. doing. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> what he's doing works for me. And uh, Interesting. I was at a I was at a pride event yesterday, right? Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. So like six weeks or a month or two after the rest of the country has had right. pride events. Vista <laughs> decided we were gonna gonna do a pride event. And it was great. It was a great laugh. Uh the day was full of uh tribute acts, right? <laughs> tribute performances. Which I quite like. I think they're a good laugh. Yeah, um, have a good time. You can't not have fun with a tribute act. Exactly. We had a Pet Shop Boys tribute. Oh wow! Okay. Which was actually great. I'm sure that because I'm going to tell fun. you right now, as I sit here, you know and love way more Pet Shop Boys songs than you think you do. I recently discovered this. When I say recently, I want to say like two years ago or so. But like, yeah, yeah. I it was one of those things where I was like, I think I know the one song. And then I went and I was no, like, oh, no. They were pumping out banger after banger. <laughs> um, the guy had a passable, he had a crack at doing Neil sure. Tennant's voice. Yeah. Uh, and it was thoroughly enjoyable, right? Nice. Uh, it finished on a Britney tribute. Nice. Not so much fun. Oh, no. Oh no! no. Not so much fun at all. How do you ruin a Britney tribute? Let me tell you, it wasn't it, it wasn't anything to do with the performance, which was fine, yeah. right? All right. She took a break mid set to do an outfit change, right? Mm-hmm. And while she was gone, the screen was showing uh, excerpts of reviews of the show, like five stars for this show? Britney tribute. You'll have a great time. Oh, her no. own show. <laughs> She'd put reviews oh, no. up for her own show that we'd all we were all watching. That you are currently. <laughs> Like during the costume changes. This Britney has all the energy of a real Britney Spears concert. Four stars. Sydney Herald. Because she was Australian. Okay. Um, So, yeah. I think she was was a little bit into... She was trying to sell herself to people who had had already turned up, you know. And that that (laughs) let me down. And I'll tell you the other thing that let me down, right? Okay. (laughs) It was a Pride event. Mm Mm-hmm. Lots of families there. There was a family event. It was a day-long family event, face painting, stalls, street food, da-da-da-da-da, all yeah. that. And there were lots of kids around, right? hmm So the one guy who walked past us wearing a T-shirt that said, fill my bum full of cum. Oh, no. Yeah? Oh, no. <laughs> I, I don't know, man. I mean, oh, I don't dear. know if that was the one. <laughs> And I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, t- damp his pride. Right. Be the guy who's like, oh, no. pride is too spicy for families. But well, like, you know, that's a if, if, the, if the kids were with me when I saw that, I would have probably shielded their eyes. Not, you know, <laughs> Linda Hamilton clutching a fucking fitted sheet and a guy with a t-shirt saying, fill my bum full of cum. They're the two. Right. Yeah. I always feel like. You know, sometimes at Disneyland, people yeah. would wear shirts that just said, like, fuck you or something like that on it. And I just feel like, <laughs> like, why? <laughs> it's so aggressive. Why, why at a make it place you, full babe? of children. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, I just yeah. feel like there's appropriate, like, I think if you're in a pride parade, like, wear the, you know, fill my bumble. Read the room. Shirt. Read the fucking room. <laughs> Because right. it was, it was, it, other than that, it was beautiful. It was life affirming, beautiful kind yeah. of open displays of, of, you know, of, of, of just beautiful fucking pride vibes. Yeah. <laughs> so the guy wearing that t-shirt, I think he made that sartorial choice against the vibe of the day. 
<laughs> right. Like he was like, I'm going to fuck with this pride. Yeah. Everyone's yeah. having a I'm good gonna time. Yeah. I'm going to make it suck. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna introduce- yeah. It's always like, that's the thing is like, it's a fine line. Like kink it pride belongs. Absolutely. Yes. But you know, also it's the like, there Thank are you. events exactly that are geared to towards say. different audiences. Yes. <laughs> like, that t-shirt was for another day, sir. Yeah. That's a different day of pride. It is not the everyone yes. picnicking and painting their kids' faces day of pride. Yeah. 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 Uh, there we are. Less, but you um, know, what was you it would have been Phil Collins. It would have been kind of funny if you did have to explain to your children what that shirt meant. <laughs> I'm re- it was spelled C-U-M as well. So I'm really glad. You know, it was base. I'm really glad I didn't have to talk through that one. <laughs> He's just trying to educate is what's happening. He's like, I'm going to walk through this crowd and a bunch of parents are going to have a conversation yes. that they yep. weren't going to Whether have Whether they otherwise. want to or not. I'm sure that yes. happened because it was oh, quite sure. well attended. There were a lot of people there. I'm I know you sent man... a picture and I was like, I was amazed at how many people were there. Yeah, it was very well attended, which I love to I see. I don't consider, I, like, looking at Vister, I don't think of it as, like, a huge town or anything like that. But nah, it's not. That's a no. big turnout. Yes, it was. Uh, let me see. And, and so, for your birthday weekend, for your Friday movie with Marco. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I, what did I suggest? I had I demands. You did, you did, you did. I suggested <laughs> something which, which apparently is shit. What was it called? Yeah, I, Strays? The strays, strays. Yeah. yeah, and I had when you sent it, I was like, oh, it sounds vaguely familiar. And yeah. I looked at Letterbox and I was like, oh, yeah, I've thought about watching this, but the Letterbox reviews are like pretty shit. So you came up with your demands, was I, in fact, I've got the message, I'll just read, I'll read your demands out now. <laughs> what the what the demand was on this, because yes. like, yeah, it's my birthday weekend. This is like the start of the birthday weekend. I closed my laptop from work and was like, now. It's movie time, so I had like mm-hmm. a specific thing I needed. Here we go. Yes, your your message was, and I quote: "Find me something fun and nineties if you can." Birthday banger, right? Yes. Now I didn't meet it, did I? Because I thought you said eighties. Not entirely. Yeah, no. you <laughs> you didn't quite meet the brief. It was an eighties yep. film that you came up with. But I selected something that I'd been eyeing for a while, which it turns out so had you. Yes. Uh, a movie I had not seen before, which was 1988's creature feature, Pumpkinhead. Pumpkinhead. A first watch which for is... us both. Yeah. Great watch. Yeah, it was fantastic. Um, yeah, like it really was. I mean, the con- you know, considering considering the director and considering some of the people who worked on it, you'd expect the creature to be great. And it was just this wonderful eight foot tall fucking maquette, this this. Beautifully sculpted, beautifully animated, expressive, you know, agile puppetry in a film. And, you know, everything I've just been saying about Indiana Jones is borne out by how that 30-odd-year-old film had a, 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 you know, a creature, which the camera was on for a lot of the movie, and you didn't want to question it. You didn't... There's no hiding. They're not trying to keep it in the shadows or or anything like that. You are looking at this creature and buying it. Uh, yeah, exactly. I don't know about you, but I didn't once think, mm, where's the strings? Uh, right. You know? Yeah. It, it, it's in in the backdrop of the movie itself. You said it best when you said they, they work a lot. They do a lot of magic with limited resources on this film. Fantastic right. movie. Because you can tell, like, obviously, you know, there's all these kills and it's not the kind of thing where you actively necessarily see the kill happen. Nope. So, you know, they don't didn't necessarily have the budget to be like, I can 
show, you know, someone getting their face ripped open or something like that. But they still manage to show you enough of a kill. You know, the blood splatter from one, you know, the effects of someone's bent and broken body, things like that, that, you know, they they're effective nonetheless. But there's there's more. There's more to Pumpkinhead than just there's more to Pumpkinhead going on than just the cool puppet, right? It's mm-hmm. you know it 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 has a fantastic build. Lance Henriksen is in it, and you know he's always great value. He's always I've got mm-hmm. such a fucking warmth toward Lance Henriksen. I don't know if that's because of Bishop. Sure, I mean obviously. Um, or if it's because, just you know he's a fucking genre legend. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. And I, you know, I only, it was only, during, I'd always known this, but it really came across during Pumpkinhead how expressive that guy is facially. Yes, absolutely. You know, his, mm. his, his delivery, his dialogue is kind of one note. He's got a kind of a one note kind of low, deep voice that's kind of distant and kind of, you know, it, it, it draws you in. He's, he's quiet, isn't he? He's a quiet mm-hmm. fucking seeming guy. Quiet and brooding, yeah. Yes, but what he can do just with his eyes, man, just with a, vi- a distant moment looking off t- to the right while he's clearly thinking with his eyes. You can see a lot going on behind, behind, behind those eyes. <laughs> you don't know what it's like. Wow. To be Bishop <laughs> in space. <laughs> oh, wow. With aliens. <laughs> I like Lance Henriksen is what I'm saying. <laughs> point of the story is <laughs> uh and they build this lovely kind of relationship between him and his son yeah. who's who looks almost like a kind of a my girl era macaulay Culkin. Uh, yeah or like the like jerry Maguire kid yes 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 like a little milky bar kid kind of guy milky bar kid <laughs> no milky bar Mm-mm. no okay no milky bar sounds x-rated it sounds horrible, but it isn't. It's delicious. Uh, okay. Slight rabbit hole. Here in the UK, we have a, uh, a a white chocolate product known as a Milky Bar. Okay. Right? And it's available in button form, so Milky Bar buttons. Uh, and they don't they don't advertise on telly now. This particular this particular uh, series of adverts is gone. But for years, decades, has to be 20-odd, 30-odd years, if not more, the Milky Bar was advertised by the Milky Bar Kid. Okay. Right? The Milky Bar Kid is strong and tough, and only the best is good enough. The creamiest milk, the whitest bar, the goodness, that's in Milky Bar, right? Okay. And <laughs> fuck me, how do I remember this? I love it. I'm And the Milky Bar Kid is like a it. cowboy. He's a, he's a rootin' tootin' cowboy. Oh, right? American vibes. Yeah, he's got, he's got little six shooters, and he's got, you know, a horse, like a, like a fucking hobby horse. And yeah. the 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 line, the quintessential Milky Bar Kid line, he'll have a little scene vignette where he, you know, chases the baddies out of town. And then at the end, he'll shout, the Milky Bars are on me. And everyone will cheer. And then you'll get that song about the Milky Bars. Oh, they don't like do that. that anymore. And that kid in Pumpkinhead, do me a favor, right after this episode, listeners, yeah, Corrigan, both of you, yeah. Google Milky Bar Kid, and you'll see what I'm saying. Did you say both of you, meaning me and the audience? Yes. Okay, great. Yes, no, I like will both of our listeners. Because <laughs> <laughs> we have millions. Both of Phil you. Collins, Dr. Shipman. <laughs> oh, no, he's dead. All of you, listen to that. Uh, watch some of those Milky Bar adverts. Anyway, okay, the, the, the core kind of plot of Pumpkinhead is Pumpkinhead is this 
entity, this wraith, this creature, which can be summoned by uh, by a rickety-looking old chick living on a bayou. Yeah? Yeah, she's true. Wrink- is she- Yeah? She's mm-hmm. all wrinkly, and she's got, you know, she's like a witch. And if you've been wronged, if you've been slighted, and if you've if you've suffered terrible loss through the actions of somebody else, through somebody else has fucked your life up, and you really want it bad enough, you can go to this old witch, and she'll summon Pumpkinhead for you, and Pumpkinhead will fuck him up on your behalf. That's right, isn't it? Yeah, that's correct. Uh, so the Milky Bar Kid gets accidentally killed by some city folk. Yep. Some city guys, drunk right? Drunk teenagers. Drunk teens riding their, uh, you know, their motorbikes dirt around bikes. the accident. Mm-hmm. Dirt bikes, yeah. Um, now, this film is set in 1988. <laughs> Within both of our lifetimes, Corrigan. Yes. Yes? Mm-hmm. But it felt to me as though this should be more like 1928. That was, so it was really funny because you brought this up as I was thinking it, but sort of differently because... I mean, this is the American South before fast fashion made it so that you could afford clothes and things yeah. like that. And everything that like we wore, like I was not in the South, but I was, you know, a lot of my clothes were McCall's patterns that my mother sewed for yeah, me. Yeah, you yeah. Know? <laughs> Instead of going, you couldn't afford to go to Kmart and buy clothes or whatever. Yeah. Um, but these are and- like kids in sacks. Right, like I think kids wouldn't have necessarily been wearing sacks, but what they're wearing is like stuff that's just makeshift, sewn mm. together, whatever, and they're in the dirt. Are we talking um, like a, we talk like mountain communities here? I don't, I don't know if this is. They're not really clear on where it is. I didn't necessarily get mountain. I thought more very like deep south, but it could be. Yeah, it could be Appalachia. It could be something like that. Felt a little too hot to be mountainous. Okay. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, it was interesting to look at because it became uh, immediately to me, I was like, this is like a look at like poverty and things like that from yeah. this era that there's not really any like analog necessarily in none at all. 1980s Britain. Um, both no. of us thought like miners are probably the closest thing. Yeah, <laughs> mining communities. But even in 1988, yeah, you know, wouldn't have... my clothes were manufactured. Right. Yeah. And so I was just thinking, I was like, yeah, Appalachia would probably be like a good, you know, if this, I don't know if this is Appalachia or not, but it would probably be a lot like this. Like just kind of the thing where people are like so poor, they just like Mm. are wearing whatever and they are unbathed and out and about and stuff like that and just scraping by. Obviously, this is an exaggerated version because it's a movie or whatever, but like it's not that far off from if you look at actual pictures of (laughs) 1980s Southern caught Poverty. me by surprise i i i didn't i didn't think that 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 isn't still the picture of the deep south is it no i don't think i don't think you find anywhere where people still like piece together their clothes okay. because that's time consuming you know and yeah, sewing course, machines are expensive fabric is expensive it is much mm. cheaper to go buy cheap shit from the dollar store or whatever than it is to dress like that um yes. but there's probably a degree to which the like dirt is still a thing and the like kind of, I don't know, just people being in these like small communities, yes. again, especially Appalachia, yes. where you still have a lot of people who are like mining, like the left pe- the people left over who are miners and stuff like yeah. that. Um, and like just communities that are less touched by everything else. Mm. You might find something like that, but it wouldn't be that 
extreme. <laughs> but that was that was one of the things about the movie which which dragged me in. You know what I mean? Which mm-hmm. hooked me. I enjoyed I enjoyed that kind of even it being contemporary to my lifetime. Right. Completely outside of my field of reference. That added even look at like if you think of like Deliverance, even that's not mm. that long before this either. That's what a decade no. or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, Seventy-six. I want to say something like that. Yeah, somewhere in that vicinity. So, yeah, I think it was interesting to watch it and realize that like you had no frame of reference for the American South. None. You know, which is also, I mean, it's just like one of those things where. It highlights that, like, people always think of, like, poverty as, like, uh, an aberration and, like, uh, you know, that's a thing for third world countries and anyone in America who's poor, it's because they, like, didn't pull themselves up by their bootstraps or whatever. Mm. And then when you see, like, a representation like that, you're like, yeah, no, there's just, like, whole groups of people who are just systemically impoverished who live like that. Incredible to me that 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 particular, you know, that was revealed to me via pumpkin head. Right, of all things. Look at that. How cool is that? <laughs> but it's, no, it's 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 an authentic kind of emotional core. Brilliant, nice yeah, performances. So. Nice scares. Brilliant monster. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm looking forward to the diminishing returns of animating the entire saga. Yes. There's three of them, I think. <laughs> I'm not sure, because uh, it's not a series that I have attempted to do that with. So, uh, blessings. I don't know if you're planning to drag me into this or if you're doing it on your own. But No, I'd like to. Blessings. I mean, it feels like you should. <laughs> Feels we like started this together. Yeah, <laughs> we're gonna finish it together. God damn it. Um, yeah, so we'll report back. But the first one we recommend absolutely big time. Yeah, big time. Um, just gonna quickly go you... through the watches I had this week. Just Please, a couple yeah. of rewatches. Mystery Men. God, I love that movie. It's just such a delight. It has such bad letterbox reviews, and I just feel like people don't like fun. Um, because that is a fun ass goofy movie. Yeah, everybody it in it is perfect. Fuck um, everybody on Letterboxd. Everybody I know. Right. <laughs> everybody I know loves Mystery Men. Like, I've never met anyone in real life who is like, ugh, Mystery Men. Nah, not like, at all. <laughs> you know, in the in the way that uh, we are now trying to, you know, elevate superhero movies. Yeah, right. The, the, yeah, the, you know. That was an attempt at elevating a genre which didn't really exist yet. Right, you know, yeah. We've spoken exactly. plenty of times about how the 90s mini superhero boom was nascent. It was trying to find out how these films worked, what they mm. were. And Mystery Men was taking the piss out of a genre that by that point was yeah. all fucking bits. Nobody, right. you know, just like Batman 89 is just a bag of absolute mismatched bits, which... You watch it now and you're like, fuck me, this is a weird, weird film. Mystery right. Men is a parody of a genre which didn't yet really know yeah. what it was. And yeah, it, absolutely. it's wonderful. Yeah, and it's just, it's so much fun. I love everybody in that movie. And mm. uh, yeah, it's just silly and fun. And obviously I, I watched it in memory of Steve Harwell of Smash of Mouth. God rest him. Uh, who just, man, horrible way to die. Just cirrhosis yeah took him uh yeah. and so my tribute was to watch mystery men wonderful are we all right to call it the curse of mystery men yet with paul rubens and oh yeah like pretty close going, to each other it's the curse of mystery men if if you know what if the reaper takes tom waits i'm gonna be pissed just uh, not nope absolutely no anyone not. anyone else in that movie you can keep your fucking hands off mate <laughs> right yeah no <laughs> leave them be 
<laughs> um, it caused me to Google Janine Garofalo, see what she's up to. She's still being awesome. Like, good, she's good, so good. cute. Like, oh, man. I just... Anyways, I also rewatched 47 Meters Down. I love Just, I'm not finished talking about Mystery Men yet, right? I just want to briefly oh, say... Go ahead. One of my favorite running gags in Mystery Men is how the shoveler is, is just, he's just mediocre. And he tries... <laughs> He tries threatening everybody by eating a load of egg salad, which is going to raise his cholesterol. And when he tries to give them all a big pep talk at the end, he goes, I shovel well. <laughs> That's my favorite line of the fuck. I shovel it's so well. Good. It's also like it's the, the moment in that when they've just accidentally killed Greg Kinnear. <laughs> yeah. And they're like all like, oh, we killed him. We killed him. And then it just turns to the shovel. And he's like, not me. I was I was right here. <laughs> <laughs> it's yes. so good uh, very good incredible <laughs> anyways yeah mystery men always a good oh, watch by the way, if you haven't seen it watch it john carpenter did assault on precinct 13 and not the taking of power oh. one two three <laughs> i can it's see just, how that would have you would got numbers in those it. yes absolutely i feel like they were around the same time too yeah, i could just be... to circle back on that yeah okay 47 meters down mm. watch that again i i still enjoy that one a lot another one that people for whatever reason seem to think is a bad movie and i don't understand it um <laughs> and it's just it's a good shark movie i think mandy moore and um the australian gal in it are great um and it's like terrifying it's a terrifying premise i love the twist it's just i love i really enjoy that movie so 47 meters down is always a good watch not one i've seen Oh really? No. Okay, well, I find I don't I don't know if you're like a shark movie guy at all, but if you <sighs> like a shark movie, it's it's just super tense. Basically, the premise is these two sisters go mm. on a trip to Mexico. One knows how to scuba dive, the other one doesn't, but they pretend she does and they get on this janky boat uh and they're like for a hundred bucks or whatever, someone's gonna let them shark dive and the tank yeah. or the cage drops and ends up landing on the ocean floor where they are running out of air uh, while sharks oh, drops swarm them so they it. can't get back to the boat. Yes. Right, 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 yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, I, I, yeah, I wouldn't list shark core as, oh, I'm a fucking huge fan of the genre, but right. you know, I always have fun with it. So mm -hmm. maybe, maybe that's exactly it. Like, yes, yes, I yes. feel like just this is, a, I guess it's kind of like the mystery men thing, but I'm like, I don't get if you watch mm, a shark movie, like. yeah, you know what you're going to get out of a shark movie. Yep. So if you downvote it for being what a shark movie is, maybe that's you your shouldn't fault, be watching these. Yeah, yes. that's on you. You just don't yep. like this genre. <laughs> it's It's working at what it's doing. So. Mm. That's my 47 meters down soapbox. I watched The Boogeyman. I gave, uh, what's his face, director uh, Savage. Oh, you gave him another go. Yeah, gave yeah. Gave him another A go. Third go. Three strikes? Three. Well, it's two strikes, really. Two, it because, is two strikes, Like, yes. obviously, Host is good. Yeah. Um, but it's generic. There's just, yeah. <laughs> there's the lead gal in it is really good. Um, it's one of those movies where you have to constantly be turning the sound up and down because, uh, you know, the loud parts are very loud and the conversations are whispered. Mm. Um, everything is very dark, so you can't see anything. And it's just beat for beat what every Zero movie like that is. So, but, I mean, Boogeyman is a meh. Uh, 
Neil Blomkamp is your case study. He's your object lesson in never ever living up to his debut. Right? right. Just coming out with an immense banger and never doing it again. And it was his it was by his third average movie after District Nine that I lost any hope. But now he's doing Gran Turismo fucking what? I, 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 <laughs> having yeah, two yikes. shiters from Rob Savage right after that initial banger is I think yeah, indication enough that host maybe was great in spite of him. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think that's the case. Um, I watched The Burbs, which I'd never seen before. Uh, when Anna huh. was on here, they were like, you've never seen this? Like, <laughs> get mm. it together. Um, so I watched that, and it was very fun. Tom Hanks, uh, 1990, I believe. Yes. Where... That's one I've seen only at the time. I've not seen it since. Oh, then. yeah, okay. Mm. Uh, yeah, just never never got around to that one. Um and it's a fun little suburbia tale, very of its time, and like dealing with just like what people are like in the burbs, being nosy in everybody's business, stuff like that. Mm. Where uh, Tom Hanks and his neighborhood become convinced that this one house full of people that they never see during the day are Satanists. So it's also very of its time in that way of like, sure. oh, like all these suburban people are all of a sudden like concerned that there's people worshiping Satan and making sacrifices and stuff like that in yes, their neighborhood. Yes, yes. And chaos ensues as they attempt to try to prove it. Uh, <laughs> and it's just it's a good laugh. It's it's super fun. Um, definitely one of those ones I'll return to again. And like young Tom Hanks is always a blast as well. well yeah, that was a, a boom period for him wasn't it yes he's probably like 36 37 ish in this yeah. movie um yeah it's got carrie fisher plays his wife in it uh it's a lot of fun nice. um so yeah the burbs is fun and then the other thing that i watched was uh the mini series of dracula uh the one that oh came out goodness. um the moffat Dracula. did you watch that i certainly did um, did you i don't think i realized you watched it talk about not sticking the landing no <laughs> Absolutely not. And it could have been, it has what could have been a very interesting twist at the end of this second episode that just yeah. botches it completely when it hits Episode the one third. was superb, like utterly was, yeah. fucking gripping, beautifully performed, uh, right. you know, eerie, scary, gory. Yeah. Um, but you get clever. hints. Yeah. Um, yeah, maybe it's the second episode where you really like, you get, start going, oh, this is, this is Stephen Moffat. This is. Yeah. You get yep, a lot of monologuing, yeah, sure. a lot of, I'm so clever for you from both Dracula and, you know, mm -hmm. Van Helsing in this. And like, it becomes where you're like, oh, Jesus Christ, this is, mm. I don't know about this. And then it hits with the banger of a twist at the end of episode two when you're like, okay, oh, interesting. And then the third episode just absolutely just collapses, shits the bed. collapses, yeah. really, really disappointing. <laughs> but, um, worth worth watching just for that wonderful first episode right. yeah exactly oh. i mean it was you know the episodes are long like an hour and a half each um but uh you know it wasn't i'm not like ugh, fuck me for watching that yeah uh but it was meh <laughs> what if i told you i've never seen uh bram stoker's dracula i don't like it so oh, okay. <laughs> but you might though is the thing it's got, like, the reasons I don't like it are very me, and these are not turnoffs for you. I'm not into vampires, obviously. Mm, I, I don't like... Vampires, we know. <laughs> I don't like just 
unabashed, constant horniness, especially mm. mixed with violence. I'm not okay. a sex and violence person. No, you're not, as we know. And <laughs> the sex and violence is like, like it is so, I think I was saying this to Anna too, that uh, like the level of horny in that movie is unfathomable. <laughs> I have never yeah. been that horny in my entire existence. And I cannot... <laughs> wrap my head around this movie <laughs> it's just and like everything's gross so mm. it's like gross and horny and violent it's and like it's always yeah, it's always it's one. been one of those ones that has just always danced outside of me watching it right um, yeah um especially because uh, i think it, it's like pretty long too so it's like it's a commitment to sit there yeah. and like watch the yes. whole thing i don't think you'll hate it like i do i think it's just like it's kind of like a, a checklist of things that are like stuff i generally avoid in movies yeah fair enough <laughs> so, you can see how that wouldn't work yeah but anything i don't else? i don't necessarily else? think you wouldn't like it huh did you see anything else nope that's it let's name those movies that was indiana jones <laughs> and the dial of destiny Pumpkinhead. fucking Final destination. Final destination. Mystery Men. Seven meters down. Meters down. Mystery Men. The Boogeyman. Dracula the Boogeyman, and the, the Draculas and the Burbs. <laughs> Which is always also listed in our show notes. Uh, mm -hmm. So as you're looking for timestamps and things like that, you can also find mm -hmm. the list of everything that we watched in our show notes and on our blog at jackofallgraves.com because I love you like that. Um, something I'm really looking forward to uh, mm. coming out. Uh, a couple of years back when uh, Alan and I went to a Bimon sci-fi con and I met Peter Weller. Yes, I remember. So during that con, uh, the producers of an upcoming Robocop documentary were there. Ooh. Uh, and it's finally seeing the light of day, like years later. Oh, beautiful. Um, this is the most in-depth. They literally analyze Robocop scene by scene. Oh, wow. Like every, like every fucking scene gets its own little behind-the-scenes uh, treatment with performers, effect artists, stunt artists. And it sounds like the kind of thing you got to get on, like, Blu-ray, not watch exactly. streaming. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And it's finally seeing a, a UK Blu-ray release in October, and I could not be more excited. Amazing. Um, I love I'm going to just fucking nerd the hell out <laughs> the entire time. Oh, Merry Christmas to you. Yes, 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 yes. So, Mark, we're in week two... Yep. Of our discussion. Oh. <laughs> nice. We're in week two of our discussion of the terrible shit that can happen to you in hospitals. Mm. This week last we're going to discuss. Oh, last yeah, week we talked about support staff, didn't we? Last week we talked about nurses and. Nurses. And largely about empathy, right? And about, yeah. like, as we go through this, our theme being sort of. Uh, empathy and you know people and like basically terrible things can happen to you in this hospital in the in hospitals mm. how do we process this shit <laughs> well can happen to us that's exactly it I don't, I don't think i don't think i don't feel as though you, you can simply you know there's no simple way of right recovering from being so fucking heinously wronged in a place mm -hmm. where surely whether you're paying for it or not you should be the safest. You should be right. fucking, you know, if you can't get me time in a hospital, when the fuck can you? you know? <laughs> right, exactly. And so this but, week, our, oh, go ahead. Yeah, this week, this week for the sequel to that, we're going to look closer at 
the the surgical angle so what yes. do you fucking do what have been some of the cases what have been some of the worst examples of when the actual the doctors and surgeons themselves have been the perpetrators of the violation of the most heinous acts around and weirdly right i find it i find empathy something easier to grasp when it's when it's when it's the fucking surgeon or the doctor in in the spotlight i don't know why that is fascinating okay that's See, interesting i i can i can i can kind of visualize the feeling of control mm. and power mm-hmm. that must be present in an environment when i mean think about it you're surrounded by all this fucking incredible machinery you've got an unconscious Naked save for drapes, a mm. little square cut out, a little square of vulnerable naked tissue. And you're holding a fucking a blade that can just part skin and sinew and bone just as easily yeah. as fucking broken glass cuts skin. You know, just it doesn't cut you. It almost parts. Right. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I can I can kind of empathize with if if you're a wrong un, I can see I can see why you might gravitate to that profession as opposed to a carer or a nurse where there's it seems impossible for me to grasp how in that huh. it, it feels it feels closer to that fucking horrific word that we never use evil it feels right. closer to evil to do something heinous when you are a carer or a support worker than it does when you're a surgeon, I don't know. I can, I can, I can. I, I this can, is really fascinating. I can quantify it somehow more. Hmm. It it feels to me more sensible that it that that role would attract nutters. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, and I I think that's interesting because to an extent, like I I get that right. Like yeah, like a role like that. I think both do in different ways. Yes. Um, it absolutely. Yeah, it's a control, it's a power thing, you know, um, just like cops are often people who are attracted to power, yes, not helping yes. people, things like that. Um, where like, I think when it comes to like nurses and stuff like that, I also think of stuff like disorders, like Munchausen's by proxy and stuff like yeah. that, which make, you know, I mean, it, when I say makes sense, I mean, from a psychological perspective, not as of in course. I understand it, right? But that like was that what there, Beverly Allett was widely said to have been suffering Well, from. there you go. Yeah, that there are people who... Uh, you know, fulfill a need by uh, making someone else sick or whatever, and then taking on yeah. all of that attention, attention that happens yeah, when focus. people feel bad for them for this having happened to them. Mm-hmm. You know, like, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, that kid died on your watch, or you know, your child is suffering from this stuff. Mommy Dead and Dearest is a great documentary on that. Oh, super quickly as a follow up. Um, mm-hmm friend of the show and longtime listener Paul Thomas did some real digging on David Fuller. Um, <laughs> did he? Yeah, and that's not a surprise. Um, <laughs> but he went he went as far as reading the documentation of the trial, right? He went as far as reading Ooh. the fucking case notes, the trial notes. Oh, wow. By the uh, way, if you could put that documentary on the Plex or whatever, I would really yes, like to see it. I, I looked everywhere certainly. here and I cannot yeah, find yeah, it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Certainly, certainly, but certainly. go on. What did Paul um, find? In in this is how blase and how brazen this guy was with his morgue activities, right? 
Paul highlighted a certain bit of text and and sent it to me in one of the uh, in one of the videos found on his hard drives was a clip of this guy David Fuller attaching you know what a tens machine is a tens machine of course I have cramps of course Mark yes, I know what course, a tens course, machine is <laughs> so he had one paddle of a tens machine attached to his junk okay yep uh, uh, another. Sorry, for listeners, a, a TENS machine is a thing that sends like yeah. a electric, electric wattage. Pulse. Yeah, which you can, you know, change the strength of it via a dial. But it, it's it's a pain relief. It's a pain right. management device. Yes. Uh, which kind of sends electric shocks to you as a way of, you know, confusing yourself into not being in pain, I guess. Something like that. Doesn't work for me at all. But anyways, so well, he attached it, one of these to his yeah, junk. Yeah. Uh, Whilst engaged in inappropriate activity with a corpse, he was also stimulating himself with a tens machine, on Ooh. film. How fucking mad is that? Yeah, Talk about going lot. for it. <laughs> Talk about going for it. Yeah, I think it's just interesting. I think the way you're, I think this is illuminating something about how you're processing empathy yes. here. Because it's what you can understand yeah, more. Yeah, yeah. Um, because the results are the same. Yes. Right. Horrific no matter what. Outcomes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, but you can understand a motivation more, and that's where that is exactly comes it. In, which I think the, is fascinating. That's 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 definitely the zone where I start to lose control of what empathy is. Is when I simply mm -hmm. can't fucking get my head around right how something so awful could come from such a benign and caring place. Yeah, that's fascinating. Interesting. We'll talk more about this. There's a lot to come back oh, to. But let's let's get into this, you know, topic mm. here. Mark, in your reading for this week, did you come across the term never events at all? Sure did. Yes, I did. Sure did. Uh, do you want to describe yeah. them or would you like me to describe what a never event so, is? Uh in 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 the kind of medical profession in in a hospital setting, a never event is uh is described as an event which is so rare and mm, so unusual there is no fucking or there's no reason for it to happen not quite okay. it's not exactly that... what a never event is go on what was your take so a never event is a thing that should never occur in a surgical setting mm. so these are things that injure maim disable or even kill patients yeah. um, and as the national quality forum put it they're, quote, errors in medical care that are clearly identifiable, preventable, and serious in their consequences for patients, and that indicate a real problem in the safety and credibility of a healthcare facility. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, that, 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 that was what I, I kind of botched. <laughs> yeah, despite the name. There's no fucking reason event. for this to happen in a hospital. Right. Yeah, it's preventable. Hmm. Despite the name, they are not things that never happen. Uh, in fact, just about every source that I read on this subject uh, basically said, like, if a surgeon has been practicing for any length of time, they have had a never event occur. Um, and it's not generally just like you would think like, oh, it's like inexperienced surgeons or whatever, but actually very experienced surgeons mm -hmm. are known to have these never events. Um and uh, nobody had like a firm idea of how prevalent this was until the year 2000 when an absolutely jaw-dropping study came out showing that between 44,000 and 98,000 deaths 
and over one million injuries occurred every year in American hospitals due to medical error. Mm. 44,000 to 98,000 deaths. Annually. Annually. A million injuries due to medical error. The first place my brain goes to here is, right, with the clusterfuck that is your healthcare system. Right. Where do I stand from a financial point of view there? Do I still have to pay for that? Yes. Yeah. But, however, (laughs) medical malpractice is a huge... I see. Like industry for yeah. lawyers. In yeah, fact, yeah. a lot of like statistics and facts and stuff I I found on this uh, were law firms that specialize in medical malpractice. Yeah, that yeah, yeah. Would go through this. Um. So, um. Obviously, that's a lot of deaths and injuries by oopsie. Uh. Yeah. And a pair of studies in the early '90s found that between 48 and 66 percent of all adverse medical in hospitals. Uh, were results of surgeries. And of those, 54% were completely preventable mishaps. Mm. And this isn't even including the near misses, which is a whole other category in which these surgeons nearly make life-altering mistakes while operating on a patient, but narrowly avert it. Now, I don't know what the figures are in 2023. That 2000 study was eye-opening, though, and the whole purpose was to discuss ways in which these numbers could be brought down. Uh Um, I assume that, and I know they're not as high at this point, but they are definitely still high. Um, Like I said, every source I read mentioned how incredibly common these never events are. Well, yeah, I I read exactly the same thing over here. In fact, common and getting more so. Um, (laughs) Great. As your healthcare system morphs more into our healthcare system, Uh you're going to find that this happens. Um. One of the, the most common never events over here is stuff being left in people. Yeah. 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 Uh, instances of surgical implements or, you know, surgical materials being left inside patients. Between, yeah, uh, between 2021 and 2022, right? This happened 291 times in the UK. Mm. Um, Jesus Christ. But in, in 2003, 2004, it was just 138. It's going up. It's happening more Great. and more often. Cool, cool, cool. I love that. Uh, really in that in that that period, twenty three, uh, two thousand and twenty one to twenty two, um, surgical swabs left inside people twenty one times, vaginal swabs left in patients thirty two times, uh, a part of a scalpel, part of a pair of wire cutters, surgical forceps, bolts just left inside people on three separate occasions during twenty one and twenty two. Three occasions, uh, a part of a drill bit was left inside three Jeez. separate patients three times during. Ugh. You know, and our country is small. It's tiny. Compared yeah, to right. Like that's, that's a lot. That's like a couple states here. So, exactly. <laughs> well, here, one of the methods that they use to combat problems like this, although it's more pre than post, so I don't know how much this would help, mm. um, was developed in 2004 for a very specific purpose that will sound almost cartoonish. The method is known as the universal protocol. And it's a process of steps that must be carried out before every surgery in order to make sure that they operate on the correct side of the correct part of the correct patient. Because, Mark, an uncommon but not that uncommon event that happens in the surgical theater is doctors just performing the wrong-ass surgery for the patient in front of them. Yeah. 
So according to Miller Wagner Law, Dr. Nick Riviera shit, isn't it? Yeah, exactly, one hundred percent. So according to Miller Wagner Law Firm, which deals with cases of medical malpractice, the steps of the universal protocol are as follows: conduct a pre-procedure verification process. Mm-hmm. This process includes verification of the correct surgery and site, as well as verifying the identity of the patient and making sure all necessary tools are available. Simply put, the surgeon, along with all healthcare pre- professionals present during the procedure, must address missing information or discrepancies before starting. Then, they mark the procedure site. Yep. The protocol all requires of which that. Is perfectly sensible. Right. It requires that, at minimum, the surgeon must mark the site when there is more than one possible location for the procedure. The surgeon should clearly label the area where the surgery should be performed with a surgical marker. Hmm. The surgeon should mark the line that the incision should follow, as well as the word yes. And then the third thing is perform a timeout. All participating members of the surgical team should be present during the timeout, and the procedure cannot begin until all questions and concerns are resolved. The team must verbally agree that the patient is the correct patient, the correct procedure is going to be carried out, and that the surgery is going to be performed at the correct site. So when the first seven hospitals to implement this protocol protocol were studied, it was found that this reduced the number of surgical cases with risks for wrong site surgery by 46% in the scheduling area, Jesus. Wow. 63% is it, is it in the... Up across all hospitals, it's now common yeah. practice. Mm-hmm. So 63% in the pre-op holding area and 51% in the operating room, which basically means that before this was implement- implemented, surgeons simply weren't checking carefully that yeah, they had right. all their information nailed down. Yeah. Which feels like something you shouldn't have to have a detailed checklist to do. Like, if I think I might have misused a word, I'll Google it multiple times just to be safe. And if I get a word wrong, nobody loses a kidney. And I just feel like it should have been obvious that the pre-op procedures should be more rigorous than my tweeting process. I wonder, right, if, like I described it like 10 minutes ago, this this sensation of power and control and intoxicating fucking godlike, uh, you know, I I I alone hold your life in my hands. That mm-hmm. is it. Maybe that that simply fades away and gives way to just routine. Right. Yeah. And, exactly. You know, like you're just kind of you're going through these power, You're just you just do exactly. You're doing a job. And yeah. what do you do when you do the same job for a lot of years? You cut corners. Fuck me. Right. I know that. Um, <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Hmm. Yeah, I, I think there's something to that. Um, but yeah, my point is every year a not insignificant amount of people get operations on the wrong side of their body or on the wrong body part or that was meant mm. for an entirely different patient altogether. Wow. Do you want to hear about some? Oh, I'd love to, of course. <laughs> well, let's start with one in your neck of the woods. Uh, in 1999, 62-year-old Margaret Poole complained of coughing and shortness of breath. Taken to Leighton General Hospital in Crewe, it was nice. discovered that she had fluid in her right lung and would need to have it drained. Dr. Kaleem Turi, assisted by nurse Barbara Condliffe, read her file and started in cleaning and applying anesthetic to the patient's left side. By his own account, he put the needle in and was baffled that he wasn't getting any fluid. Mm. It was then that the patient sat up and was like, I was told the fluid was on the other side. 
which she must have known the whole time. But like you trust your doctor, right? <laughs> like you assume they know what they're doing. So you don't want to like interfere and be like, um, sir, I think it's the other side of my body, actually. But thank fuck it was a, a local anesthetic. Right, yeah, that she could she could say this. Let's not, you know, count our blessings here. Mm. Um, so the doctor is like, oh, fuck, right. I, I knew it was the other side. <laughs> yeah, um, and he, he literally was like, I don't know why I did that. Like his, the, you know, he had to obviously be interviewed afterwards of like what happened here. And like it is... He's just as baffled as anyone else by the decision process that he made here. Um, so he he resets, does the other side, and sends her off to the recovery room. And he doesn't mention this mishap because he said as far as he could see, he hadn't done any harm to her. It was yeah, fine. Yeah. Um, about two hours later, she said she was having trouble breathing. So a senior officer went in and tried to aspirate the right lung, the lung that had been operated on as far as he knew, having no idea that there was any trouble with the left at all. He naturally figured it was just a regular complication. He wasn't looking for extra holes. And as a result, poor Margaret's healthy left lung collapsed and she died. Oh, no. All because this guy basically just spaced out and didn't feel it necessary to tell anyone about it. Rough. Ah, terrific. Some I other mean, cases. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. Do, do you? Do we? We 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 can't put that down to malice, though, can we? Right. Like it deeply wasn't on purpose. Yeah. He just like you can see it. Like he looked at the X-ray. He knew what he was supposed to do, and he just. I think, like you said, like you're in a routine or whatever. Maybe he'd done another one earlier that yeah, was yeah, on yeah. the other side. Like. Whatever, he's done a million of these. He came in and he just idly prepped the wrong side without thinking about it. And then afterwards, like, that's the thing from what it sounds like is he he wasn't even trying to cover it up, right? Like, sure. it wasn't like in some cases, a lot of cases of these, you see that people don't report what they did mm. because they're like, fuck, I'm going to get in trouble. Of course. It yeah. doesn't Nobody sound like this was shit. the case. Mm. Right. Yeah. It genuine, because there was a nurse there too. Neither of them said anything. It feels like they looked, they were like, there's no problem here. Send her into recovery. Everything's going to be fine. And they genuinely did not think there was going to be an issue. And then he killed the poor woman. Killed her. Exactly. Mm. Like just horrific. Uh, so yeah. Other cases include a hospital in Rhode Island where surgeons operated on the wrong side of three different patients' heads during brain surgeries. Uh, two of those survived and one died. At University Community Hospital in Tampa, Florida, a patient had the wrong leg amputated. Oh. As you can imagine, this resulted in their having to have both legs amputated as the other one still needed amputating. And it's not like you can just sew the other one back on. That is so devastating. It's awful. Yeah. Um, comedian Dana Carvey won millions in a lawsuit after surgeons oh. operated on the wrong artery during a bypass surgery. It's not great. Um, at Duke excellent. University Hospital, a patient received heart and lung transplants but they were the wrong blood type and the patient died. Again, seems like a really easy mistake to avoid, but I've actually, as I was reading through things, seen wrong type blood donations come up several times in things that I was reading. And one of the most famous mistaken surgeries occurred in 2002 when a 67-year-old patient pseudonymously known 
pseudonymous, pseudonymously known. Oh, nice. <laughs> yes. I thought I pronounced it wrong, and I was like, no, that's right. Uh, known as Joan Morris, received what was described as an invasive cardiac test that involved starting and stopping the patient's heart several times. Much like Margaret in my earlier story, Joan was pretty sure this was not supposed to be happening and it wasn't in her chart. She was just chilling there, recovering from a surgery for a brain aneurysm. And uh, I guess she figured if there was something about that affecting her heart, they probably would have told her. Mm. <laughs> but instead, she was suddenly swept into the catheterization lab where they performed this procedure for a full hour before realizing holy shit, this was not meant for Joan Morris. It was for Jane Morrison. They'd just been stopping and starting Joan's heart for absolutely no reason, thinking she was somebody else whose name was kind of similar. Did she survive at least? She survived, yes. thankfully. <laughs> so, but these are just a few of bajillions of these kinds of stories. Like I said, they're uncommon, but they're not rare. Uh, spinal surgeons in particular have a deeply disturbing habit of operating on the wrong side. And a study cited by CNN found that one in 112,000 surgical procedures uh, have these kinds of um, like mishaps happen, which means an individual hospital would have such an error every five to 10 years on average. So all of this could absolutely happen to any of us. It's uh yeah, I mean, it's when you boil it down to averages. It's when you boil it down to your your chances. Just like with botched executions, you know, you've got right, yeah. <laughs> the chances are small, but by no means, right. You know, the same, the same, the same. Like winning the lottery. This is a very real and present. Yeah, there's no uh, reason to think you wouldn't be that person who comes yeah, in on the yeah. off day every five years. But still, you know, none of these sounded as though they were intentional. None of these sounded as though right. they were malicious. Yeah, there, are, exactly. there are plenty of cases of surgeons just just fucking about, you know? Um, Great, cool, love that. There was a, a pretty famous case over here from 2013 of a, a surgeon called Simon Bramhall, right? Worked okay. in uh, Queen Elizabeth Hospital in Birmingham, the spiritual hey! British home of Jack of Love me some Brum, yes. Uh, and what Simon Bramhall was caught doing... And he was only caught doing this by a follow-up, uh, a surgeon in, also in his hospital performing a follow-up procedure on a, an ex-patient of his. Mm-hmm. And when following up on the, the, the liver surgery that Simon Bramhall had done, the surgeon opened the patient up and found on the patient's liver, four centimetres high, this guy had signed his initials. <gasps> what? Fucking Right. He'd used an argon beam, right, which is a, a laser used to kind of cauterize and stop bleeding. He'd use that to sign his initials <gasps> into the livers of patients he'd been fucking working on. That's some Nexium shit right there. One what? fucking hundred percent deranged. Um, that is wild. He, he got no prison time for it, though, because uh, the damage wasn't permanent. It doesn't wow. affect the liver function and the, the writing vanishes after a few years because the, the liver... It heals wow. everything out. It regenerates. It's true. It? Yeah, the liver is an amazing organ. <laughs> so the guy got twelve months, uh, twelve month community order. He got a ten k fine. He was struck off, but he did no time. Wow. For merrily fucking surgically graffitiing patients on the inside. Oh jeez. Yeah, that's kind of exactly what you're talking about. Of just like, I mean, on like, I guess a benign level, but yeah. like 
but just you just are power mouth. hungry. The yeah, control. Yeah, yeah. You're just yeah. like, I I am the like god here. I did this. Let me yep. sign my name like I'm Picasso. Exactly. Yeah, this. yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Fucking wild. Uh, and then of course, and this I I can't ever see a case like this happening in the UK because. You've also just got doctors who are on the fucking take, you know, <laughs> fraud, uh-huh. surgical fraud. Oh, yeah. How do um, you think the opium ep- epidemic, opioid epidemic happened? Exactly. I mean, did did you come across Dr. Farid Fatah in your readings? Ah, uh, it sounds vaguely familiar. Go on. Huge case. And I'm I'm giving you the cliff's notes, you know, but there is masses, masses of really kind of, you know, in-depth exacting information on this particular case. He's a Lebanese-born doctor and... He's the owner of a, a major um, oncology clinic in Michigan, right? The mm-hmm. Michigan yeah. Hematology Oncology Practice grew across seven cities in Michigan, 17,000 patients at its height, mm-hmm. right? Became one, yeah, this guy, Dr. Fatah, became known as one of the, you know, the state's kind of premier cancer specialists, developed a, a reputation for really aggressively approaching cancer treatment, frequent, high, massive doses of chemo, um, yeah more so than 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 was the, the 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 kind of the working knowledge at the time um but very quickly when he opened that clinic in 2007 lots of cases began to emerge of malpractice over prescribing treatment and flat out lying to healthy patients so that he could bill insurance companies more mm-hmm. but just the 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 scale and the depth of the deceit uh one of the first people to sue him in 2007 was a patient by the name of Maggie Dorsey right he diagnosed her with cancer in 2004 and she learned after seven months of intense day-long chemo sessions that she'd been completely cancer-free her entire life. There was fuck all wrong with her. Jesus Christ. Um, he did no time for that. He settled that out of court. Um, but then in 2010, the wheels really came off this guy when a kind of a veteran oncology nurse interviewed at his clinic and immediately twigged to loads of widespread malpractice, over-prescription of chemo sessions, um... Her immediate suspicion was that he was over-prescribing to, like I said, to bill insurance companies for higher costs. But she got no response from regulators in Michigan until 2011 when they said there was absolutely no evidence. So this carried on at a huge scale until 2013 when the same thing happened to a patient of his, Monica Flagg. Um, He diagnosed her with uh, multiple myeloma, which is a... a, That killed my ex-boyfriend's dad. That's a rough... Cancer. There you go. There you go. Uh, you know, that's, that's I believe, a, a cancer which demands a lifetime of chemo if you're going to have any yeah. quality of life. Lots of treatment. Yeah. Yes. So while she was in hospital for her first session, while this Dr. Fatah was on holiday, uh, she broke her leg, right? She had a fall, broke her leg as a result of the chemo she was going through. Right. And the attending doctor, a guy by the name of So Monglay, he noticed that her readings gave absolutely no indication of cancer of any type, wow. like wow. nothing. Yep. And, you know, for the bad luck for Dr. Fatah, but this uh, this physician, Dr. Mungley, was due to leave the practice a month later. So he didn't give a fuck. So he yeah. investigated further and further and found so much illegal, unethical, right. large scale medical fraud, which had completely fucked up the lives of people that he was subjecting unnecessary cancer treatment to. Um, yeah. that led to a call to the FBI. They intervened. Um, and in, in just in one single week of analyzing his practices, right, 38 out of 40 people who were undergoing chemotherapy had no need for it at all. None. Wow. The wow. Fuck? Um, that is 
unhinged. It's just crazy. This guy, uh, he was he ended up with 45 years in prison in 2015. Dozens yeah. of patients testifying about the incredible impact. It fucked his life. They fucked their lives up. Yeah, um, I'm just thinking like right now, uh, Hank Green is going through uh, Hodgkin's lymphoma, non-Hodgkin, right, whatever yes, the one okay. that's less deadly yeah. is. Yeah, uh, He's been going through treatments for that and watching him, you know, like document this entire process as he's going through it. It's like it's painful and, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, physically you can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. And just the idea of someone going through that and emotionally devastating as well. Right, yeah. Everyone in your life and you are yeah. like th- think you're fighting for your life. Yes. Like that is so devastating. And it is cold. What a fucking cold so, yeah. crime, you know? Yeah, this is it, it it's interesting because I don't know. I guess you y- this is amongst the things that we all of this kind of draws to the fore is that like when we think about doctors mm. and surgeons and all of this kind of stuff, we tend to and I use we in a way that like, OK, what I want to separate is I say we think they do this to help people, that they get yeah. into this business to help people. And that is the fundamental thing that we see as the basis of the medical profession, mm. where like for one uh, like we also know that it is a profession that makes a ton of money and we know yes. that it's like, you know, that's one of the appeals of getting into it, and that's why your parents want you to be a doctor or a lawyer, right? Like things that make a ton of money. And mm-hmm. somehow we like separate these things that we like think like, oh, they're there to help people and not because of the deep financial reward that we know is there. Mm-hmm. And like this is, you know, we recently did um, a video on healthcare on wisecrack and one of the things that like we talked about or we were talking about pseudoscience not healthcare but that like one of the very real reasons that people get into stuff like you know homeopathic and holistic medicine and things like that is recognizing that like the system is fucked right yeah. <laughs> like and that it's, people it's, yeah, don't have a viable alternative isn't it they're yeah they went they're going the wrong direction like uh-huh. it's you know they're using stuff from other forms of grifters and more transparent grifters yeah. uh in order to make up for this lack but at the same time like there is something to be said for the fact that like we all sort of put ourselves in this position like i'm just thinking about these women who knew that the wrong thing was being done to them and yet like let it <laughs> because mm-hmm. like well, they have my best interest at heart. Like, I'm not yeah, going to tell course. them how to do their job, right? The doctor like, is educated. This doctor is, yeah. you know, they've been to school for years for this. Who the fuck am exactly. I? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, realizing that, like, it's on us to be more proactive and about these kinds of things, which is terrifying mm. because I don't know anything. <laughs> I'm not trained in this stuff. I'm going to challenge someone. I am never going to argue with a doctor. Right. For fuck's sake. Like, like uh, you know and yet maybe we should at times mm. and understand these that there is a you know capitalist driving force between behind these things and that a lot of people are doctors because it's a job not yes. because their passion is helping me yes you know i think of that with like the i had a doctor who refused to screen me for ellers danlos and you know it was like 
no matter what I did, she would just kind of like dismiss me or whatever. It was like not useful to get this. What's it going to do if you even get a diagnosis of this? Like the whatever. And then like multiple other medical professionals within the same hospital were like, you need to change your doctor because this is actually really important. And I found someone who helped. But like that person's passion was not Absolutely relieving no. pain no. from people. It was not helping people feel better like if it were she would have been like oh fuck let's get to the bottom of why you're in pain uh whereas she was kind of like and like she had the same perspective as people being just like well you're not screaming so you're clearly not actually in pain yeah and that's the thing is it's like yeah we know this like <laughs> we know from a doctor's bedside manner whether they give a shit or not yes uh but on the other hand what do we do about that Mm. And if, you know, if anyone out there is uh, about to undergo treatment of any kind for any ailment, mm. pl- uh, apologies if we've... I know, we're making you know. it terrifying to go and do that. I like to think the other way, that it's empowering, that if, you, yes. if you're listening to this and your doctor starts doing something you know is wrong and you just heard this... Say it's the other side of your fucking body, or my name is not Jane Morrison, or yeah. <laughs> whatever if, the case know, may make be. Make a joke out of it, you know. Just, just bring it to the right. Yeah. Exactly. I think that that's the. I think that's the thing that over the past decade or so, maybe even five years or so, people are learning is like just to be more empowered when it comes to mm. your medical life because there's a lot going on, <laughs> and you know it's not you are kind of a face in a crowd, and you have to fight for yourself. Because you could um, end up dead. Because you could end up dead. And I don't know about you, but personally, I would like to not be that. I don't plan on ever being that. Yeah, no, I'm just going to keep on going, Tuck Everlasting style. Me, but mm-hmm. I could be the first one. Do you ever read Tuck Everlasting? Or see it? Uh, no. I can't remember if I've talked about this before. but What is it, a show? Just, it's, a, a it's about a family, a book hmm. about a family who drinks from a spring that makes them live forever and the thing that i I love that book uh but the thing that gave me nightmares for years was just the concept that i thought what about when like the planet just like dies heat death or whatever like the sun explodes the earth or whatever they're just going to be like floating particles of misery in the atmosphere well yeah i mean you know it's 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 what gives the whole fucking point isn't it it's what gives the whole point <laughs> of life you can't you can't carry on you've got to end you and you, you gotta I'm, end I'm, it i'm listening to a series on radio four at the minute um about the emergent obsession in billionaires over the past five years with yeah. extending you know, finding life. something to fucking biohacking extend. yeah exactly the geezer who's fucking drinking his son's blood him right you know let mm. it go mate let it go you know mm. but and we don't mean that in a hospital setting Advocate no, certainly not. Certainly not. Uh, yes, that's the. It's empowerment. It's agency. It's advocacy. You have it. Use it. Mark, if they, if you go in there for your eye surgery and they start reaching for your kidney, I want you to feel empowered to tell them. I will. I, would I shall like to slap the hand away and go. What are you doing, you little tinker? Not <laughs> you down cheeky there. bastard. You what are you doing? Fuck. Um, oh, by the way, by the way, that's. Did I tell you about my appointment moving? Did I tell you about that? What What did you say? My appointment moving. Did I tell you? Uh-uh. So on the same day, right? On the same day, I received two letters in the post. One of which confirmed my appointment for September. 
Mm-hmm. The other of which told me it had been cancelled and moved to March. March? Yes, indeed, March. That's six months. It is. Well, hey, the NHS is not doing so well right now. You're going to have to start doing surgery on your own here. That's a, and that is what I plan on doing. Um, if it, if it, <laughs> if this uh, lump hasn't gone in the next kind of month or two, oh, yeah, I'm going uh, it's, it's to. You're not doing that. Together. Fucking You're right I am. That. I'm going to get good and drunk. Yep. I'm going to sterilize a pin You're with a lighter. No, and I'm going to fucking sick it myself. I'm not going to allow that. Okay. I'm just, just going to let you know. Okay. Uh, well, <laughs> we, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll continue on with this. I want to, I think, some interesting thoughts about empathy and whatnot have, have come through here. A thing I think I would like to propose for next week's mm. hospital hell here is physically terrible things that can happen in the hospital, not directly to you, but to the hospital. I'm talking about a fire, sure. an earthquake, yeah. uh, you know, Power a shooting. Lightning strike, yeah, sure, sure. Lightning sure. strike. Let's talk about those. I'm okay. curious to see what happens in those well, because cases. Of, like we've said, you are never more vulnerable Mm -hmm. When you are hooked up to machines, when somebody else is breathing for you or cleaning your blood, something else is taking over the, the, you know, the functions that your brain should be doing. Yep. That's about as vulnerable as you can get. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Zombie outbreak, you're Killian Murphy in the beginning of 28 Days Later. Beautiful. What happens then? We'll talk about that next next week. Final part in our hospital trilogy special. Is it the final? Are we doing it? Is it? Oh, let's keep going. Fuck it. We could, we could, we could I'm not, I wasn't sure if we're doing a month, if we're doing a trilogy. We'll figure it out. We'll get we back will. to you on that. But for now, there's at least one more coming, and yes. we'll talk about that. So, friends, thanks for listening to us chat this long-winded episode. We were in the mood to talk today, and we it were. has been a wonderful time. Um, hit us up now, of course, not on the Twitter slash X. We are not there anymore, but you can find us on Blue Sky. You can find us on the Facebook. You can find us on Instagram. Let us know your thoughts, feelings, concerns, questions, all that. Subscribe to ours, ko-fi, ko-fi.com slash jackofallgraves. Book club is coming next week. Mm-hmm. So uh, if you're interested in that, jackofallgraves.com slash book club. Always a great time on our Discord. You can find that in our link tree, of course, as well. Anything else, Mark Lewis? Uh, no, there isn't. Uh, only that this week... And this week only, I would like to advise you not to stay spooky, but to stay healthy. Mm, Yes, please do that for us.